Well, oh god. Okay. Um, are we are we going? Sure, I guess. I've got emails ready to go as well, so. Um, I think I need a minute, Brian. Yeah, let's just talk. Little sounds. Okay, do you mind if you talk just because I want to adjust yeah, yeah, the okay. levels as you? Yeah. I don't know any vowels. A. That's a vowel. O. I know I. E. And I. You, and you. And you. A E I O U, baby I O U. That's how I know it. Baby, I owe you. That's a song I use. Is that a way of like telling your girlfriend that you owe them money? Look, that's something you make up when you're eight years old and you don't know. Okay. How does that even work? Baby, I owe you. Brian, you sounded like a stupid eight-year-old. Yeah, (laughs) Aren't, aren't we all? Why were you like super intelligent? Were you like the kid in My Wife and Kids? Oh, it's exactly what I was like, and I got dumber that, every year. That kid fucking sucked. That smart little piano oh, he kid. He was so fucking bad. They Man, brought him in because they were like, "What I'd the fuck are la- we doing?" I'd love to launch that kid through a window. He 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 was also the kid in Heroes. What kid in Heroes? The kid that got to play Heavenly Sword yeah. a year before all of us. Why did he get to play the year before? <laughs> like, not that that's like an amazing thing. Okay, in Heroes, it takes place in 2007, even though it was released in 2006. Right. So, to make sure it was relevant to the timeline, characters were playing the PlayStation 3. Wow. So, did they get early copies just to make this happen? I think what he's doing is he's playing an E3 tech demo of Heavenly Sword. And like you know, f- pretend playing the game. You know, like what an yeah. absolutely unnecessary level of detail. Tim Kring knows what he's doing, John. He does not. I went back and I watched the first series of that recently. He does not. Better than Lost. <laughs> no, I, I love Lost. I would. Yeah. I, I, Heroes is not as like, good as like Lost. I have my problems at Lost, but I, that's a better show than Heroes. Like, kind of, kind of. Ha- Heroes was like cool before TV started getting really good. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. like the first, yeah, the, the first season of Heroes took place before the writer's strike, and it has like twenty two episodes, and it builds up to this thing that was kind of underwhelming with the exploding man. Oh my god! But then, I think we've been doing this com- this podcast long enough that we've had this exact conversation on a previous episode. Sweet. This exact conversation. I'm very really? interested in the writer's strike. I don't feel like we've never ever spoken about Heroes. Why would it come up? Because there's a video game. Because Hero. Heroes had a re-release. Remember, there was like a, a, a like sixth mysterious season that showed up like a couple of years ago when we were still doing this podcast. No. Yeah, no. There was what? What was the last season? Of Heroes. Heroes. Stupid time. Because it was yeah, it was like forward in Villains. time, and it had the worst CGI ever. <laughs> I I I checked out so early on in that. Yeah, no. Heroes ended, and then it came back like in the last two years. Another season came back. And it's fucking terrible. But I think the season that came came back was called Villains, and it focused on the bad guys. No, this was real. Like the heroes are back. Okay. This was like a heroes reboot, and then everyone was like, "Oh my god, this new season is terrible!" And I was like, "Yeah." And then I went back and I watched the first season, and I was like, "Oh no, it was always bad." Do you guys want to hear my impression of the music from Heroes? Go. <laughs> <laughs> Just that. I mean, that's pretty good. What do you think of that name? That was pretty good. It yeah. was, wasn't it? Yeah. It was very good. <laughs> it's like it's 2006 all over again, everyone. 
Oh. It's so ambient. I might use it behind pieces of this podcast <laughs> later on. <laughs> Just to set the tone. Can everyone ever say something profound? Because, <laughs> like, it was usually Mohinder exposition with that, uh, like, layered below it. God, <laughs> I haven't heard the word Mo- the name Mohinder. Mohinder yeah, turned into a weird lizard slug monster. No, he turned into a cockroach for a while. And he murdered a girl, but then it was cool. <laughs> like, it's fine. Because they needed a good scientist again. So it was just like, uh, I mean, he's got his bad points, but he's pretty smart. Do you remember, like, Siler wasn't in the first half of season one, but then they brought him in, and they had to, like, retcon him a little bit with, like, a flashback so he knew Mohinder's dad? Oh, yeah. I I always liked it, because it really seemed like Siler ate people's brains. And then this is one scene where he finally captured Claire, and Claire was like, you gonna eat my brain? And he's like, that's disgusting, Claire. <laughs> he just Why would you to ever think your that? brain? Or do you remember when, like, Peter Petrelli is in the subway, but time freezes, and then uh, Hero shows up, and he's like, ah, Peter Petrelli, I didn't recognize you without your scar. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's... That, 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 that's real to the television. I think that's the scene that, like, sold everybody on that show, because it was whoa. like, whoa, things were about to get fucked up. They never got that fucked up. But oh, Ando, was that the guy's name? Ando was his friend who Hero was played... Hero was the main... Was the, yeah. Hero was the main guy, and apparently the guy who played Ando was Korean. And he was playing his Japanese best friend and didn't know a lot of Japanese. Because that was the kind of thing that was intriguing people, I think, about the series. It was that Hiro was eventually going to turn into this time-stopping badass. He never did. He he was Hiro for the entire thing. His his dad was George Takai, and then in season two they had uh, Nichelle, I can't remember her surname, he plays Uhura. In Star Trek, and they do this thing where like the camera kind of holds in her too long, and people were like, who's, who's that woman? But then, like, you know, BuzzFeed fills you in. Don't worry, it's, it's cool. Thank God. Sometimes I worry that if BuzzFeed disappears, I'll never be able to understand another piece of media. How will I know what Marvel character cross-Disney princess I am? I don't know. It'd be, it would be nearly impossible to figure that out. Welcome to the Let's Fight a Boss podcast. The world's strongest video game podcast. I am sitting here with two of the best damn law enforcers this side of Dublin. To my right, no one gets away. No one sees a thing. It's Brian. Yo. The shadow. The shadow. Okay. Yeah, he came in too early. I smell bacon. That's what I'm going to okay, say. Okay, okay, cool, cool. Neva, um, I'm going to say your name and then give it a second because I'll probably okay. come up with another name. And to my left... The Enforcer, the Invincible, the Wall of Chains, it's Neve. Hello. I couldn't think of anything, I'm sorry, I really <laughs> let you down there. And uh, with you always, it's your host, Jetlag. <laughs> like, Jetlag's kind of a cool name, isn't it? Kinda. Jet- Jetlag's really cool. Like, it sounds like a shitty Transformer who's always like, oh, what time is it? Um, in that film Top Gun, I'd say Jetlag is like an unnamed character but yeah. like in the lore the fan community are like that's jet lag because <laughs> <laughs> you know you know how the fan community would get like hyper focused on some background character like somewhere in Tom Cruise's trailer there's like a piece of paper that says jet lag but it's like crossed out and crumpled up yeah yeah. Cause... you need to ship jet lag with someone though oh yeah it's the only way that ship will survive what would jet lag's boyfriend's name be 
Okay, so it's also another background Chan. Right. Uh, and he is called... Slipstream? That's a tra- that's a Transformer. Yeah, you're just... Are you not thinking of Starscream? There's also Starscream, but I think there's a Slipstream <laughs> oh, as well. Oh, Jesus. It, okay, what about Optimus Prime? Why are you going straight Transformers? I thought this was like Top Gun. The- <laughs> okay. Uh, has to be someone like in the background of Top Gun. Grimlock. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I'm trying to think of like parts of planes... Or it's just probably think. just like um, an air hostess that gets one shot and goes like, your drinks, sir, and that's enough for it to be a ship. Yeah, and she's just called like Fizzy. No, it's a he. A he. <laughs> Do okay. you not know how shipping works? <laughs> <laughs> Come oh. on, Brian. <laughs> no, I really don't. I no, I really. I, I'm, that's such a loss. Okay, to okay. Works. His his name is Fizzy because that's <laughs> that's a man's name. <laughs> hey, I'm Fizzy. So Fizzy and Jetlag. And this is my fizzy boyfriend Jetlag. Jet and we're on a plane together and we're holding hands. Yeah. And that's about as like saucy as my fanfic. Gets. But is Jetlag no, is Fizzy is he a pilot as well? No, Fizzy's an air hostess. Fizzy's an Okay. I don't know how many air hostesses they have on like <laughs> Single pilot jets that, that that they use for the American army. Uh, yeah, I don't know how often that comes up. You know, I, I think I know how American military works. I, I think I know. You know. No, there's always Brian someone who sits in the back of the like. There's two spaces: the cockpit space and the place in the back where someone offers you a drink <laughs> every few hours. That is true. That is true, guys. I went. I'm back from Anime Expo. Oh yeah, and that's where you're jet lagged. Yeah, that's why I'm jet lagged. Anime Expo is intense. Especially, this is my first time, like as a guest, and like, I. There are so many people. Yeah, there was a lot. How many thousand go? A lot of thousands. A lot of thousands. I think a hundred thousand go. That sounds like a number. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we all went last year, and we were pretty like, wow, not doing that again real soon. <laughs> Followed by John going back one year later. And I think I was the most vocal one being like, I'm never going back to LA. This is my third time going back in the last 12, 12 months. And LA, LA is still a trip. I saw some, some real dark shit. There was one day where we were walking around and we saw some guy just like collapsed in the middle of the street. And this was in 40 degree weather. And he was like fully clothed and it was like, oh, should we? do something like he's gonna die but then you know we know that the american medical system's all messed up we yeah. didn't want to land him like tens of thousands in debt if he was doing fine so we just moved on <laughs> if he was doing fine well he wasn't doing fine <laughs> yeah. but you know and then we passed by again like two hours later he was in the exact same position mm. la seems a bit uncaring yeah it's a a lot uncaring it's a cold city but um, the con itself, I think I had way more fun at this year. I think I understand Anime Expo better. Uh, I got to I got to see the JoJo's Part Five panel. How was that? Was that good? Uh, excellence. Well, the the panel was pretty good. Um, the episode itself was like fucking awesome. Sweet. It was so good, and I got to hang out with um, some of the Viz guys, and that was interesting because like. I haven't hung out with, like, too many, like, distributors before. And, like, they're very nice, but, like, there's a certain amount I wouldn't let it go. Like, I wouldn't... They, they said I could take whatever they wanted from their booth, but I was like, ah, they cover a lot of Shonen Jump shit. I'd feel kind of weird. And they were like, okay, cool. And they were kind of good with that. But there was this point where there was a few of them, and they were, like, I guess probing me a little about Dragon Ball Super. Okay. And I was like, um... 
I don't know, they were like, so what do you think, you know? And I just said, well, here's everything I like about it, here's everything I don't like about it. And they're like, oh, okay. And then I was like, um, don't worry, if I really hated it, I would have already made a video on it. And they were like, ha, <laughs> 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 Like, they looked really nervous. But they were cool, and most people were cool, as they tend to be when you have the right badge. But there was a few situations where it was like I was walking around with, um, I went there with Rebecca, this is Neve's girlfriend, she kind of came as like my handler, which we were kind of like joking about at the start. But by the end of the holiday, we were just like, no, she just that that's what she did. I needed it very badly. Um, and it was kind of like sometimes like because she had a regular badge and I had like a special badge. And sometimes people be like, well, you can come in, but you can't. And that was kind of lame. There was we had a lot of arguments with people over that. But it was cool. And like it was really cool doing the panel. Oh, God, we got we got there to the panel. And there was no queue. And I was like, yee. And then we went into the hall and there was like five people sitting there. And I was like, wow, this is a reality check. But then it turns out the queue was outside the building. And we filled up the hall and they had to like cap the line and stuff. And the panel was really, really fun. I swear to God, the second I came on stage, some motherfucker, and if you're listening, I swear to God, starts shouting, hey, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. Yeah. But, um, That's it, what we call them. I know, yeah. But if it, like there was a lot of Let's Fight a Boss fans there, and it was always, you know, it's always really cool to meet Let's Fight a Boss fans, just because like they're rarer than Eyepatch Wolf fans, but they are so much more dedicated. And they're always like, "Are, are even Brian here?" And I'm like, "No, <laughs> you just got to deal with me." You know? How many people showed up for the panel? I think it was around 150. That's cool. It that's, was. That's a good it number. Was really yeah. cool. Um, and they were all super nice like did their like signing autographs for like two hours afterwards which was like exhausting but everyone was very pleasant and nice and there was no like no weirdos for the most part and it was good you didn't get you don't have a con weirdo story this time yeah yeah i got some (laughs) what's a con without some weirdos yeah yeah someone told me i had a very luscious sensual voice and this was after an hour panel and two hours of autograph signings, and I, I did not want to fucking hear it. Don't say the word luscious to a stranger, <sighs> like in any capacity, even if they're having nice hair. Don't even Don't describe th- something else as luscious. Yeah. Like if someone was like, "Look at these luscious trees," I'd be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs> but um, it was like it was all really cool. Like it was exhausting, and there was so many like bits where it's like, "Oh, it's this person." And that was really nice. Got to meet, like, got to hang out with Raina Scully properly. And she's, like, the loveliest person on earth. And um, hung out with Jeff again. And that was cool. But it was, yeah, it was... It was fucking weird. I met a bunch of other anime YouTubers. They were were cool. I went to, like, a party. I went in. I got, like, swarms. And that was kind of frightening. You're their king now. I guess so. What an amazing throne. The best boy in anime. The best boy in anime. But um, it, it was it was it was all good. A lot of my honestly, like, the con was cool. A lot of my favorite stuff was honestly just like me and Rebecca went and got nice food and ate it in peace and quiet. And those were kind of my favorite parts of the holiday. Anime Expo. It was good. It was. I, I had a much better time than last year. What, corporately and artist alley wise, was the most represented fandoms? Last year, it was a mix between the Blizzard booth being there, Persona 5, and near stuff everywhere, like with yeah. cosplay and Artist Alley. 
Yeah, mm. like, you, you know how every year there's always, like, the girls will go as, like, collectively as the one character? Yeah. So last year it was A2, but I think this year it was it's the girl from... Or, sorry, 2B. And then this year it's the girl from Darling and the Franks. There was be. a lot of her, but there was a lot of Persona cosplayers. Wow. A lot, a lot of Persona cosplayers. Persona 5 in particular. I That's guess, crazy. I, I guess it's only it, an okay game. Yeah, and it, but I think it's because it's such a, such a long-ass game, and now it's cheaper. It's just like a delayed reaction. Yeah, I'd say that's part of it, honestly. Because that game's been out 16 months. Yeah. I think it's the character designs are really appealing rather than the game itself. And Dancing All Night and Dancing Starlight is just about to come out as well. Yeah, so, so you get a whole like new wardrobe for these characters. Yeah, and some of those wardrobes are great. But um, it was um, it was fun. I had a good time. Shout out to Rebecca again for putting up with so much more than I ever imagined she'd have to. But it was really cool. And huge thanks to anyone who stopped by because it was... It was genuinely so nice meeting like so many people from the podcast and so many people from the channel. And like I always say this, but it really helps make it feel less like this crazy numbers game where it's like I'm just making content by myself and like watching numbers go up. It's so cool to actually meet people who like really, really like the videos. It's so weird sometimes when I meet someone who's like super, super into a video that I don't like and they'll be like crying over it and I'll be like, I think that video's kind of shitty, but all right. Which one? Uh, Elevator Scene Evangelion. Oh, wow. Yeah. I like that one. I like that video, too. I won't cry over it, though. No. But I wouldn't shit on it. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Still recovering from the whole thing. I still have all these moments where I'm like, oh, yeah, that weird fucking thing happens. <laughs> Met Giant Bomb. That was insane. That's so cool. Yep. Came across like a fucking lunatic. This is Jeff Gersman and Dan Reichert who do All, System Go- All Systems Goku. Yep. It's the only podcast they're known for. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's why they were there, isn't it? It is, totally. But uh, that was really, really great. Uh, I don't have anyone on my internet list left to meet now. Like, that's everyone. Really? Well, like I have people that like I kind of came up with. Like, as in, like, we kind of started around similar times and yeah. we got to know each other's work. But in terms of, like, people who, like, got me into doing internet shit, that's everyone. I feel like there needs to be someone left. No. Like, some weird random celebrity. Anyone I like that I have not met turned out to be an awful person. Okay, fair enough. Yep. Not surprising. Mm-hmm. That does happen. It's 2018. 2018, everybody. <laughs> Speaking of which, I watched some plane. I watched some films on the airplane. Which okay. ones? Okay, I watched three films: Tomb Raider. Oh, the new one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Shape of Water. Had you not seen that before? No. And that was your oh, okay. Right, You're on an airplane. And the Disaster yeah. Artist. Okay. Okay. I really liked one of these movies. I thought one of these movies was disappointing, and I kind of hated one of these movies. I want to let you guys take a guess. Okay, so one you really liked. Yep. One you thought was disappointing. Yep. And then what's the the, the one in the middle is just... One you hated. Yeah. So the three extremes. Liked, disappointments, (laughs) and hate. Okay. Um, Were you disappointed by the disaster artist? You make your your guesses, Brian. Then let me make your guesses. Okay, go on, Brian. Okay. Uh... You love Shape of Water, you're disappointed by the Disaster Artist, and you hated Tomb Raider. Okay, you love Disaster Artist, was 
disappointed by Shape of Water and hated Tomb Raider. I loved Tomb Raider. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> okay, look, that's not a great I'm, I'm, movie. No, that's I'm not, okay with that. That's it's not cool. A, it's, it's not like an amazing movie, but I feel like, and there is a point where it just turns into a shitty video mm. game movie. Like, there's a point where the plot just tumbles it's out of a fucking hill. After they get off the hill. boat, yeah, yeah, totally. That Lara Croft, she's cool. Is so fucking charming. Like. Mm-hmm. She like I think I I think we talked shit about her when we saw her first in the trailer. Yeah. I like Alicia Vikander. I've always liked her. Yeah, I know we've always liked her, but I don't think we thought she looked like a Lara Croft. But then when you see her in the film, you're just like, man, I was a fool. We were wrong. Mm-hmm. But like, she looked super good. She was like, like cool, kind of sassy and charming in all the way. Like I like she, I I could not get enough of her in that movie. Mm-hmm. Everything else surrounding her. Not, not great like you know it's not a great movie but she really escalated a lot for me so even if the movie wasn't fantastic I had a really fun time with her same yeah it's like I was especially like halfway through it I was really on board and then the second half just kind of the whole mystery around the it the first half kinda... I was like this is just a good movie yeah yeah and then then um, Rebecca had already seen it she was saying to me yeah it kind of goes downhill and she was right but um yeah, I liked that movie much more than I thought I would. So that's the one you really liked. Yep. So then you were disappointed by Shape of Water and you hate the Disaster Artist. Okay. What do you think, Brian? Uh, yeah. In that order. I was disappointed by the Disaster Artist. <gasps> you do we'll not get hate there. We'll the get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. No, there's some. There's some. There's some shit here. Okay. <laughs> Have you guys seen the Disaster Artist? Yeah. What do you think? fine serviceable it's yeah uh the book is way better the book is amazing i just thought it was like a really surface level interpretation of that story Mm -hmm. like like they didn't dig into any of the weird relationship stuff between um uh, between greg and uh tommy yeah like there's there's my favorite scene in that whole book is when greg takes tommy to see the incredible or the talented mr ripley yeah and like it's this really fucked up bit where it's this really kind of awful film well not awful but you know what I mean this really like yeah this guy who lives through another film, man. this really unhealthy relationship and Greg brings Tommy to it because he wants to see how Tommy's going to react to this fucking just bizarre ass reflection of their relationship and like he looks over at Tommy at one point and Tommy is like crying and then after this, afterwards Tommy's like eh, it was alright Oh wow! Yeah, like that's some real fucking yeah, shit. Yeah, that's harsh. In the in the film, there's literally just one bit where um, Tommy just goes, "It'll be like the talented Mr. Ripley." That's it. That entire sub, that entire part was cut out, and so to me, it just felt like this James Franco wank fest. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> at the end of the film, they like play all these bits like side by side, where it's like the original room and James Franco's. And it's like, look how close he got it, and it's like, who fucking cares? And they also they, they there was this like forced sentimentality with it, and it it made like it made the guy who played Mark Gregg to be like a much more moral character than he was in the book, and it just felt really flat to me. Like, I was really surprised. I heard so many good things about this movie, but it was just completely serviceable. I really think people should read that book or listen to the audiobook. Yeah, it's 
infinitely better. It was marketed as just a James Franco, like, wank piece as well. Like, anything I'd seen about it up until it wasn't really about it being this, I know, look into what their relationship was. It just was like, yeah, look how well he's doing it kind of thing. It really... I also didn't know that it it starred Dave Franco. James Franco's brother, who John personally hates. I have a personal issue with him. But yeah. Okay. Shape of Water. In my defense, I saw what I'm going to refer to as a Christian version of Shape of Water because it had been edited for the plane and there was shit edited out. Jesus What the fuck? Yeah, this like, what would you edit out of that? Because it's all a... There's a lot of gay stuff in it. I hear there's a scene in that where a girl masturbates. Yeah. Yeah. That is not in there. Oh. Oh, fuck's sake. That bit's brilliant. I know. That's what I fucking... That's so important. Yeah, that's so important. I know. Like, like, I was... I kept waiting for it to happen. And then, like, we were coming up to credits and I was like, it was going to be kind of inappropriate now. (laughs) But, like... No, it it, it happens in the first, like, two minutes of that movie. Yeah, it's part of her, like, routine. Yeah, and, like, that was not there. And I was annoyed. Like... I mean, if I want to watch someone masturbate, I can do it. go do that anywhere on the internet. It's not about that. It's just, like, there was actual real context missing. And so, for me, it was, like, just this Disney movie, like, for an hour, and then, then the fish in her fuck. What about all the, like, social commentary about the othering of gay people and black people? I. It's hard to say how, like, the black girl... There was Octavia Spencer's character. There, mm. like, I got none of that with her, but with her gay friends, my favorite scene in the whole thing was the scene in the pie shop. That yeah. bit's brilliant. I thought that was fantastic. It's... Like that, that really legitimately got me. I thought mm-hmm. that was amazing. But other than that, it just didn't read that well. And I think parts of it were cut out. I also think parts were just this movie's not for me. Like stylistically, I kind of hated it. John, did they did they, did they have the bit with Michael Shannon's character where he goes back home with his wife and has really weird sex with her? No. You. This is you. Literally, like yeah, you that movie is not a tra- like not a plain movie because it needs to be seen big. It's such a details movie. Like it's yeah. a lot of stuff is just told know, in the details. No, the you, fucking, you, you, you I really hated see. the music and I hated a lot of the acting and I hated a lot of what I was seeing. Okay, well, based on your expert opinion of your airplane <laughs> edited version of Shape of Water, you're just wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and but, like, I, 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 I really, I, like, Leof, Leof, I, this... I, I think he's a last cause. He's never going to like this film. He'll never watch it again. Yeah. And it's just, like, it's his own fucking fault. But this... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's really harsh. But this movie, this movie makes me, fe- also made me feel how I watched, like, when I watch a Michelle Gondry movie. Oh god! It's and that I'm is, just like, oh fuck off! This is bullshit. I hate all this. No, everything in that movie is so poignant to tell a story about just like tolerance and love for people who are othered. Like, I think you were missing so much of that context, like especially with that guy like having sex with his wife, like Michael Shannon's character. Yeah, it's, weird it's Aryan like this, family. Yeah, the critique of the American family and just how he pu- he puts his horrible rotting hand over her mouth while they're having sex. Why was this film even on? That that sounds cool. Like, why was this film even on an airplane? Uh, last year, I watched Fight Club on a plane just to see if they had a certain clip in it. And it's a bit where two planes collide with each other. And it's from the narrator's perspective. And that bit was left untouched. In Was that in Virgin? Yeah. I think Virgin have a note at the start of their film saying this film has not been altered. Yeah. Mm. That's cool. That is cool. That's yeah. so... God damn it, Ethiopia Airlines. 
Yeah. Yeah, maybe not the optimal place to view a film just like put, that. Just put films on your tablet next time. Yeah. yeah. Or just watch something like Tomb Raider. They're good flight films, like, kind you of... You are not joking about the first, like, two minutes of Tomb Raider. Yes, great. It's good shit. It's like an mm-hmm. MMA fight. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, I liked it a lot. But yeah, Shape of Water. Uh, you know, maybe shouldn't have got the Oscar, is all I'm saying. Professor Anime has spoken. <laughs> no. <laughs> we spoke to our legal team about that. I can't do it. I think you should watch the Christian versions of, like, animes <laughs> from now on. Like, I think you shouldn't watch part five, but rather wait six months and wait for, like, a Christian board to, like, tweak it. And then you watch that version while we watch our better version <laughs> that version would just have a black bar over everyone's chest hole <laughs> yeah. man they draw the man titties so good in that they that is some fucking hot ass boy meat let me tell you it's like jojo's up until this point has always been fashion but it's background fashion like it's they're just style stylish guys this one it's like this is the fashion jojo yeah they're they're mm-hmm. wearing those clothes and mm-hmm. that's their practical outfit yep. it's not like a cover art this is this is their. They wake up in the morning and show, choose to wear this. It's so good. Yeah, it. I really think you guys are going to be into the adaptation. It was like, it was so well done, and it just, it was like the first couple of shots were kind of rough, and I was like, mm, but like every drawing of Jerno, he just looks like so pretty. And what's the music like? Because the other way it could just be like JoJo music, but it, but it has to have like italian it, flair to it, it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was Italian JoJo music. Like it sounded it sounded cool. There's a lot of mandolin. Yeah, there there most definitely was, and um, I kept. I really wanted to get to get to the lick, and it did, and it was so good. The bit where Bruno licks his face. Yep, that bit's so good. It's so good. That's the taste of a liar. He's right, and that was his stand, but then it wasn't, because that's how you write a story. Brian, tell us about Fleabag. Okay, uh, I must find out. Who made this show? Because you, you know how you were talking about Killing Eve, Neve. Yes, I watched that and I loved it. Yeah, oh, I watched a bit of that. And I, I really, really like it. Uh, so I was like, okay, who wrote this show? What else has this person made? And she made uh, a show the previous year on BBC, and her name is, as I look it up online, very badly, is Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And this is a previous show she made called Fleabag, in which she stars in as well. Oh, cool. So she's a creator as well as an actor, and she plays the main character. And she plays a girl called Fleabag. And is she just a crusty? <laughs> no. Uh, a lot of the characters, you don't know their names. So they're referred to as nicknames or how she calls them. So she calls herself Fleabag because she's very self-deprecating. Uh, she has godmother she has dad her sister has a name mm-hmm. she has a best friend who committed suicide called Boo but it's about her struggling and kind of coming to terms with her best friend that, that committed suicide that's uh, cool yeah it's it's a re- and like it's her and she owns like a cafe but it's a guinea pig themed cafe so perfect for you so yeah, yeah someone made a show for Brian yeah uh, I love guinea pigs and she's kind of like she's not a good person at all she's not a bad person either she's just a shit and it's just like a really like and like the majority of the show is kind of her relationship and her sister which I really enjoyed because I have two sisters and seeing them interact with each other reminded um, me of my sisters because like they're not best friends but sometimes they are but they fucking hate each other (laughs) (laughs) 
so that was very fun. Uh, it's it, it, it's a very quick watch. You can watch it in the day, just like a Killing Eve. How many episodes? Like eight as well? I think it's eight, or maybe it's six, but they're only like 20 minutes long. Mm. Um, it's a great looking show as well. And it's kind of done House of Cards style, where she narrates, and she'll look at the camera and tell you, but she's so bad at it, so she'll be like, oh, this person's going to do this right now, and then they don't, and then she's like, oh. <laughs> like she doesn't like she she's so fucking confident but she's so like she's wrong half the time <laughs> that's cool it's uh, a cool way to, way to illustrate that to have her just like fail to us <laughs> like, yeah, yeah that's kind of funny yeah like she like and she's not an unreliable narrator uh they, they, like there's bits of that because you kind mm-hmm. of it slowly gets revealed like what's really going on but it's just that she's just not good at explaining to us what happened because she's just not a like an honest human it's a it's a nice show to watch phoebe waller bridge i'm gonna we should keep an eye on her i feel like she's someone who'll get put on a film that will be like oh she's in one film oh she she plays the robot in solo a star wars story oh i feel so bad for her that sucks how can you write such amazing tv and act in it and then I, I think she was given the Lord Miller oh. script and told you can improvise and she probably had a good time with that and then the Ron Howard re-edit or re- monster like, yeah and at that point because she's like a robot that's done with did Ron Howard re-edit solo he, did, he, he re- directed it re-shot oh, it okay. yeah, yeah he, he re-shot like 70% that's of it that's a real good way to like take away the soul of a movie yeah. just oh, give yeah. it a nice Hollywood sheen Ron Howard is just like the safest fucking director. Yeah, like yeah. he, like he directed the, the the fucking Da Vinci Code movies. That's who you get to do it. I mean, I think he's even safer than J.J. Abrams. A way safer. Oh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's like, oh, who's a dad we can get to just make the most mildest shit ever? Just the white rice of film. But apparently, he's like super professional about directing. Like he will. Hit all his deadlines. He's oh, very easy to work with. I his films run like clockwork. Yeah, that's exactly why they want him. But it's just well, like it's just wow. it's, it's it's unflavored ice cream. It's yeah, just yeah. there's nothing. Like you hire Ron Howard, you know exactly how much your film's gonna make. Yeah, and he makes it to the dollar. Um, so I I just want to see her like have creative control over it to everything she does because yeah. she's great when she can. Yeah. Uh, I've I've watched two episodes of Killing Eve and I really really like it so far. Do you know the joke about it's Fiona Shaw's character? But I think it's in the second episode where she sees uh, the alley and she's like, "The other day I saw a rat mm. drink a can of coke with its two hands." Uh, Fleabag is full of those kind of jokes. I love that it's this real dry wit that runs throughout. I guess it's just perfect dark comedy, which you don't really get. I like the scene at the start with the girl and the ice cream. <laughs> It's just a then little... she's like eating the ice cream and the little girl's imitating her oh yeah and I was like oh this is corny Neves after after making me watch another fucking corny thing and then I was like oh Brian you read Dr. Stone yeah uh, John recommended me a manga called Dr. Stone which yeah, is a show Professor, showman... Professor Anime please. Professor Anime uh, the cartoon king himself uh, <laughs> uh, this is a Shonen Jump manga that uh, started in March 2017 so it's been going for just over a year now mm-hmm. And it's a survival craft manga, is how I would describe it, rather than a shonen battle manga. What's survival craft? I it's resource gathering. It's like Monster Hunter. It's ah. it, it's it's all those kind of things where it's like two lads in high school, and all of a sudden there's a blast. They get turned to stone. Fast forward thousands of years into the future, the stone cracks off like an outer shell, and they're in the 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 future. But now it's like near automata. 
Cool. Uh, except there's except now they're like not the super species anymore. It's like animals are around, and they have to survive. And, the and like everyone is still frozen in stone. Can yeah. they like like chisel them out since it's a shell? They can bring people back, but they only have a very limited amount of formula to bring people back. So they have to be really careful about who they bring back. And they they the first person they bring back is. The, the the last person they should have brought back because it's like a strong guy in their school that they didn't really know but oh. they knew he'd be good at survival and so they bring him back it's alright for a chapter 2 but he beats turn- up a lion yeah he beats up a lion he saves them but it turns out he's actually a dickhead and has a completely different like when you say philosophy. dickhead like kind of like a fascist kind of Aryan genocider yeah. oh wow yeah yep and so he's real in and so like the main guy's kind of like I want to revive everyone and he's like I only want to revive certain types of people but how do you know what a person is like if they're just stone because they're strong and beautiful and that's who he wants he doesn't want any adults he doesn't want anyone weak he doesn't want anyone sick and so all these people are dressed like Flintstones characters now because that's what you wear in like the jungle the designs are really cute yeah they're like, great yeah um but but like it is really like because it's got two main protagonists but then it sort of becomes that there's only one main protagonist because the other character gets told like okay you're not going to be in the story anymore because <laughs> that's how manga's written you just write it week by week and hope it works out yeah like, like he, the first 12 chapters is him just figuring it out yeah and then after that it like it the real story starts like he probably got brought into Shonen Jump and they got him a new editor and they were like okay look this this and this is good get rid of all this and it's so much better for it. Yeah. Uh, so the main protagonist cannot fight at all. Uh, he's he's a weak human being. He's he is, but but he has a genius IQ and he's a scientist. And he ha- he's super skilled in that area. And he's also like very sarcastic and dismissive of people. What yeah. does he do with his science? Uh, he is a chemist. Okay. He like makes iron and things like he's basically driving forward the technology tree of humanity yeah so he he went from the stone age to the iron age in two years in the future and it's cool because like the big power up moments are like Mm. the discovery of electricity or the discovery of magnets and stuff it's like like civilization but manga yeah totally yeah so there's a bit where he stumbles upon a village and there's 40 villagers and he's like how the fuck did these people show up and they don't have scars on them because people who've like been revived from the stone have like cracked scars on their face and they don't look like that. So it's kind of like Matrix people who've been plugged and unplugged or who were born in Zion. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. don't look the same. And he realizes that, like, they are part of this world and they don't know anything about the past. So he has to explain it to them. But they've also been collecting minerals. But one of the characters is very sick. So he decides to, like, earn his trust with them by making antibiotics. Oh. But in order to do that, he needs to make glass. So there's this whole like, okay, I need to do this, but I need to do all these other steps. Beforehand. And like, they have to like collect sulfuric acid and stuff, mm. which is like the 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 steps to making that are like really dangerous. And like, it's really cool because they have to go through this like. But they but they have to make gas masks before yeah, they can yeah. get the sulfuric and like, acid. And like you know, it, it, the art the art is really good. And so when they're going, I don't know what it's like an acid pool or something. Yep. And when they're going like near the acid pool, like the illustrator like illustrates like this massive like demon lady like rising up out of it and melting and all this kind of stuff and it like it's not it's just in their heads but mm. it's really cool yeah he's really yeah it, it, it's a really nice way of telling stuff visually yeah so the main guy what's his name Senku yeah um he kind of gets like a bunch of new characters when he rises at the village and they're all brilliant 
so there's their village scientist who's called Chrome, and he's he's really good at changing the color of fire by throwing different <laughs> minerals in and making it blue or purple. Cool. And then Senku's like, well, and then Senku just starts showing him his stuff, and Chrome just like dies. Yeah, it's really good. But then Chrome becomes his assistant, and so they have a great relationship together. Chrome's my favorite. This kind of reminds me of uh, Margaret Atwood's Mad Adam series. There, it's an end of the world situation, but there was this biodome that was created by scientists where there's this new race of people that uh, where they were trying to breed out aggression from them, and they're the only one who's left. They're all in this docile. Post- yeah, they're real docile, but like just keep having sex with each other, and they have all blue genitals. It's weird. It's Margaret Atwood. <laughs> yeah, you guys should read it. It's fun. That sounds like something Margaret Atwood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mad Adam. But like they meet an old human as well, and they think he's a god because he has all this knowledge that they don't have. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a similar thing. Yeah, that sounds pretty similar. Yeah, but then the bad guy who we were talking about earlier on, he's gone off and formed his own village, but he's reviving loads of people because Senku, in good judgment or in bad judgment, I guess, mm-hmm. showed him the revival potion. And it was cool because like I can't remember what it was, but it was basically just they got cornered, and it's like the only thing we can do is show him the revival potion now. And like usually, like, have- it's, it's a lot of like trying to not really fighting, but trying to strategically maneuver around each other. Yeah, he's mm. very good at negotiating, being like, "Okay, you've got me in this situation, but how about if I give you this?" Yeah, and so like even with the bit with the village, it's a real tactical like how do I win over these 40 people? Yeah. yeah. And but he sees the kind of ones he can kind of get at early who will help him, and it's it's cool. And he does it through food, because like, people need to eat. Yeah, that, that was a really cool bit, where he just like invents seasoning, and everyone's like, whoa! Because that would work. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, people would love you if you made food taste mm-hmm. nicer. Yeah, I think people should hoard spices rather than anything else. <laughs> you can use that shit as currency, spices and tobacco. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is written by the guy who wrote Ice Shield 21, and then it's drawn by a Korean manhwa, not mangaka. Bochi. Bochi. And uh, he's in his early 40s, which is pretty old for a mangaka. Dude can fucking draw. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, me too. I'm very excited to read more. Probably my favorite shonen, new shonen series I've read in the last four or five years. Yeah, because like recently I've, I've wanted a companion manga to read weekly with One Piece, because One Piece doesn't come out every week. So now I'm looking forward to Doctor Stone every week. It's great. Have you read any Promised Neverland? I did, but I stopped. Okay, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I know. I, I read thirty chapters of it, and I was like, "That's enough." I was like, "This is great." It's got some good shit going on, but when it's lame, it's lame. Yeah, yeah. And with that, what's how we move into our strategy talk? Neve, did you play the Octopath demo? I did, yeah. I also played the Octopath demo. How'd you feel? Very excited about that game. Very, very excited. Rebecca told me that you went looking for it. It's not out until this Friday. I made a mistake. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of figured. (laughs) Hey, I got the Final Fantasy XV Royal Edition instead. Um, Yeah, the demo... On the subject of it being a demo, they have released really great demos, and I think more people should follow suit with that. Yeah. This third, this is the second demo, and it's literally the first three hours of the game, and your save will carry over to the release. And it was released um, like just a month and a half before release, 
So just enough to get people in, show them the battle system, show them the characters. None of the characters are grayed out. You can play as any of the eight yep. of them. Wow. So it's just like, it just gives you the whole start of the game. And it's just a good way to let everyone know what they can expect from it and make that decision. More people should do demos well yeah. like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, it looks it looks cool. Like, I'm in love with that art style. Yeah, and just just the sound of, and even like I feel like the level of feedback in the combat like all the hits are so like crunchy mm. and like nice it, it, yeah, it looks amazing who did you pick the start as? I was going to pick the hunter lady but then I remember you saying you were going to pick the hunter lady and I thought it would be more interesting if we played different characters so I picked Therian the thief oh cool yeah his story was very good I've played through three stories in that right now and they're all good I played as the hunter lady how was that? I good but not what i was expecting really she's very posh huh yeah like i didn't ex- like she you know when people do that whole like um faux english old-timey talk where they put like extra come hither yeah just a lot of flowery bullshit on the end of the words that just like you needn't go with there you oh, know huh. it's it's so much of that that and it's like Huh, not what I expected her character to yeah, be. Yeah, that's not what I got from her design. Yeah, no, not at all. And I'm okay with it, but the voice acting for it was just like, you, I felt like I could feel the voice actors struggle with that, ter- having to put that terrible thing on every word. Yeah, it's a shame because the dancer was so good. I know, yeah. she's so great. But I really enjoyed the gameplay and I enjoyed mm-hmm. her story. I was just kind of like, huh, about the voice acting yeah. decision and the writing decision. Yeah, like I definitely um, got to the, like, I got to the point with that demo where I wanted to go get her, mm-hmm. but then I couldn't because you can only do certain things in the demo. And I literally just put it down because I'm like, I'm just going to buy this game because this is going to be... I I really hope that this game is good because it's starting off so strong. It's out Friday the 13th. Yeah, that's the that's soon. Yeah, I think I, th- I think all three of us are going to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also getting it. Yay. I think this one could be, could be special. I have high hopes for this one, which I is good the- because... Pre-order of the special edition with the little the little stage. Oh, it, oh, it's got the diorama. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. I think that's cute. I really like dioramas. You do. I'm excited. Brian. Yeah. You beat Hollow Knight. I did. Uh, I played that game for 36 hours. That is way too fucking long to play that game. Yeah. I checked how long to beat. Most people just beat it in like 20. I am terrible at that game, and really? I was determined to beat it. I hate that. I hate it when you play a game and you're just like, I'm just bad at this yeah no I, I suck at this game but like I didn't want to stop playing it because I also really like the the like animation the looks of it like there's so much stuff I love about this game uh, this game will be in my top 5 but it's not, it's going to be like number 5 like it doesn't go any higher than that sure because um, I just have, I'm so conflicted about this game that I really love and I hate it um, it's just weird because like it, it borrows so much from like from software games like Dark Souls and Bloodborne but it has like quick precision controls like Super Meat Boy and it's just those are so at conflict with each other because there's so much patience involved but then you need fast reactions as well mm. um, it just I just don't think those two things work together yeah. as a game design mechanic um, I, I still highly recommend it it was like 15 euro which is I got my money's worth yeah that sounds like great value for 15 euro yeah um, but now for the rest of the year, I have like loads of Switch games lined up. Yeah, I have like five unplayed games ready to go. Nicer. Yeah, I'm just downloading Ukulele because I've been. I cannot wait to hear your take on that game. I hope I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, so I played a lot more Resident Evil Zero. Oh yeah. 
I kind of fucking hate that game. Yeah. I, Your games I'm suck. Furious. Like, oh my god, that game's... Oh, it's so annoying, because I feel like Resident Evil Zero is this game I've been looking forward to playing for literally, like, 15 years or something. I was like... That game looks cool, but now's not the right time. Oh, I could have told you, man. I know, and I just <laughs> kept waiting and waiting and waiting, and that game sucks. It's really bad, and like, there's so many things about it that feel ill-considered. Kind of about a third of the way through the game, it starts spawning these weird leech zombies, and they're the like they're such a pain to deal with, and sometimes it'll like like load one into a room and then you run into the next room and it'll just load another like instantly straight away and that's dumb and like they take a lot of resources to kill you can kill them with like Molotov cocktails but they're like pretty rare to come by and this is the first Resident Evil game I think I'm actually at a point where I can't beat it I'm trapped in a room with both the characters they're both on danger I have no healing items and if I run outside I get attacked by this stupid fucking bat that's what ended my first run with that game. Yeah, that happened to yeah, you too. Yeah, I got to a point where I just couldn't get past... Um, You're just trapped was, in a paradise. Yeah, yeah just I'm just trapped. You can't beat it. Like, if you do, your health is low and you don't have resources. Yeah, and it fucking sucks. Because what happens is, like, one of your characters will take damage. And if you were, it was a single-player game, you'd just die. But the damage gets spread across both your characters, and you don't have enough healing items to heal them all. And so, like, to do this properly, I'd have to go back to the start of the game, which I'm never fucking doing, because it's bloody such an awkward game to play. And it's just been a slog. Like, it has been such a slog the entire way through. And I'm really disappointed, because it's, like, the only sort of follow-up game to Resident Evil Remake. And I kind of want to go back and play Resident Evil Remake just to wash the taste of this out of my mouth. You should go play, like, five again. Eh. I, I, uh, I think if we played five co-op, that'd be fun. Yeah, five I, co-op I did, is I super fun. Uh, well, co-op, maybe. Yeah, that'd probably be good. But yeah, I was I was disappointed. I, I, I remember when I got Resident Evil 5, I got it with my Xbox 360. It was the first game I got, but it was a bundle that had, like, uh, a black controller. And I was so fucking happy that I had two controllers. And I was like, I'm going to play so many multiplayer games on my Xbox 360. No, you need Xbox Live, Brian. Say so you play multiplayer on Xbox. That's just the way it is now. Yeah. Yeah. That's just what you got to do. I've got three DualShock 4s, and I only use them when I've run low on the battery on another one. It's pretty sweet doing that, isn't it? Oh, it feels great. Yeah, it feels like you're cheating the system. Yeah, and yeah, it, it, it's super handy for that, but that's it. Neve. Tell Spit Vampire. Video games are just bad. Oh, they're just bad. Three for three, everybody. Yeah. Until uh, Octopath Traveler comes out, and then it's, it's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to save us. I was like, I was driven to finish this game because I spent fucking seventy euro on it digitally, <laughs> oh like God. an idiot. Because I thought I'd like the vampire game from the people who made Life is Strange, but um, it's not a great game. But the biggest issue with it is it's just so buggy. It keeps freezing. It keeps freezing to the extent that it, like, crashes me to the home screen. Not even that. It's just, like, the freezes, will you'll pop out of them after you wait about a minute. When you go into any room, there's a loading screen. And these loading screens happen a lot. So, like, just from getting from main menu into the game and into the next room once you're in the game takes so much time. And some of these loading screens are 40 seconds long. Some are two minutes long. This was just going Two from minutes. yeah, from like a building outside into the world. It's a badly optimized game. It's so slow. So it's just really slow because of its menu system, because of all the freezing. Then on top of it, 
how you do dialogue is just terrible. In any other game where you have a dialogue three, when you press the skip dialogue button, it's usually because you've managed to read the sentence that's on screen faster than the NPC has said it. Said it. So it'll move on to the next sentence. This skips the entire block of dialogue the character is going to say and goes to the next character. So there's no way for you to speed through the through the text. What a bizarre choice. It's so bizarre because people characters talk so slowly. So you could read the sentence like seven times in the time that like someone has done their fake drunk thing and has said it, you know? So it's like if that was done faster then you'd be able to get through the dialogue a little faster. But like at this stage, I'm sacrificing skipping big amounts of information. And this is information I need to make moral choices. Apart from it just being slow on all of those fronts. It's so boring. The story is so boring. Oh my God. It's but, like the most boring episode of Downton Abbey but ever. Cares. But Neve, who do you kill? Uh, <laughs> who do you spare? Yeah, whose blood do you suck? Oh man, and, and it's, I refuse to leave, believe that the writers of Life is Strange would come up with anything trite. It's like, but it's there isn't even triteness. I'd like, I'd love a bit of like ridiculous, stupid drama. Sure, it's, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so like um, stale, like yeah. and boring. And the moments where you think you would get to make a decision, there's this moment where you get to join this club, and it's called the Ascalon Club, and it's all these rich, sexy vampires. They're not sexy. I, I shouldn't have said that. They're just rich, old, boring vampires. They should have been sexy, but they weren't. <laughs> and you get there, and you, you've, up until this point, being like, I don't want to join the Ascalon Club. Girlfriend, do you think I should join? No, you should definitely not join this club. You get there, you talk to the guy, and you're given one option. Join the club. Jesus. Thanks. Wow. Choice game. So I pick the join the club option and lo and behold, like literally an hour later, they betray me. Oh shit. So it's like you Why have to- Why would they do that? You have to join it in order to, for the betrayal and the choice that happens afterwards there. But if this was a choice game, you would have had an option to say no to joining and it would still happen anyway. You would get to that point anyway. So yeah. it was just like, why would you make this a big decision-based game and this wasn't the only moment. There's been loads of moments where I thought I would get a choice and none was given to me. All the drama was just sucked out of it with bad decisions like that. Then as far as it comes to the town management through NPCs, there was no major decisions I felt like I had to make there and everyone was happy enough being just given medicine. So I never had to kill anyone to get an XP bump or to manage anything. So they were all just fine. So I ended up just killing people um, out of boredom or if I thought they were annoying <laughs> and I didn't want to manage them anymore. Yeah. yeah. Like I was just like, I want to see what it's like to kill you. And that was it. If you, t if you talk too slow, you die. Yeah, pretty much. That's where I got with it. And like some of the people, you finish their stories and then they're just done. They're just around there and they don't have any new dialogue anymore, but you still have to manage them by healing oh, that them. sucks. Doesn't really even have the bones of something enjoyable. In stores now. In stores now. Yeah. By Vampire. <laughs> like, what? I feel like sometimes bad being super harsh in it, because I know there's people out there who like it, but they're the most boring people. <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking hell. I like how you were worried about hurting these people's feelings by disparaging the thing they like, and then you just jumped the fence and started fucking punching them. Well, it's just like, I feel bad, but then I think about that person who's just like, actually, Jonathan's story is really great. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's just <laughs> like, it's really no. bad. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. 
Video games. I'm not sure anymore. No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, I played a little bit of Pocket Fighter for the Switch. I, I haven't played enough other than to say it looks beautiful. And it's like this little 2D fighting game. And each character has like... And, like it's meant to look like a Neo Geo Pocket Yeah, it's, game. it's meant to look like the, the Neo Geo Pocket Fighters. Um, and each character has like their complete own mechanics. Their own super meters. Their own... And like it's really, really cool. Like this is one guy. Um, and... He all his moves hurt him, but he can also heal. So you're like trying to balance that. And there's another girl who's like she has a cat that helps her fight, kind of like uh, the puppet girl from Blaz Blue. Oh yeah. But you can sacrifice the cat to do a ton of damage. But then the rest of the fight, you don't have the cat. There's a girl who's a ghost as well, isn't there? Yeah, she's really really cool. She's like little glitch animations, and it's yeah, it's really really good. And, and there's a dude with headphones that could turn into a werewolf. Yes, he's he's also really, really cool. I wouldn't go near it unless you have a pro controller for the Switch. Uh, it's very hard to play on just the nunchucks. I haven't really played enough of it to give a solid opinion, but I really like what I've seen so far. So there, Pocket Fighter. The Echo one ray game. of sunshine in this... Gyre, is that a thing? Gyre of misery? Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's a word now. Yeah, totally. How do you spell Gyre, John? Quick time events! Okay, before we do, like, the news and shit, we're eating chocolate right now, because uh, we need sugar in our bodies. That's true. Uh, we got, I got to meet Nemupan. Nemupan. Nemupan in AX, and for those of you who don't know, she's, like, a super fucking talented artist. When I first found out that Nemupan was into my videos in the podcast, I was like, no, mm. not that person, because I'm I know her so- fan. She's not our yeah, fan. Yeah, I know so mm-hmm. many people, like her wallpaper on their phones and it was super cool to meet her and she was really lovely and she gave us a bunch of chocolates from Chile. Yeah. Thank you so much. We're all trying the Bonobon right now. Yeah. Yep. Having a great time. Yeah, all three of us love it. John's lying. John's not sure. John doesn't like it, which is really weird to me because it's literally just chocolate on wafer. I just... What, gonna... what part of it do you not like? I don't... <laughs> God, you're so weird. Like So, so before I hit record again... Um, I said, John doesn't like this and the shape of water. What is wrong with John? Um, you two promised you'd be gentle. Yeah, we are. I'm we so are. tired. You're just so surprising. <laughs> By the way, everyone, our email is at letsfightaboss at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at letsfightaboss. So is our Instagram. Uh, tell us your opinion on John. No, don't do that. <laughs> no, send us chocolate. Um, yeah. This is what we're going to try now is the Negrita. It's a Nestle. We do not have that here. We have the Nestle chocolate, but we don't have the Negrita. I'm into this guy. Yeah. I've already eaten it. Is there walnuts in it? I mean, hazelnuts and walnuts. Oh, no, cool. Right, well, I have to open this one now. So, John, what's your review on this one? I wasn't offering you some of mine. I was showing you there was no walnuts in it. I'm not weird, Neve. You're not, you don't see a giant piece of walnut in something. It's just in it. You can taste it. You fine, use your fine, taste. fine. It's delicious. It's delicious chocolate. This I'm is, having a great time. This is us eating chocolate via audio only. Uh, we don't have video because it's a podcast. Yeah, I'm going to stop now because <laughs> that probably sounds really gross to people. No, but, I bet everyone loves it. Mm, people are so into it. This is Brian's ASMR chocolate moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I like this. This is kind of dark chocolate with a creamy center. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I approve. Mm-hmm. I love chocolate so much. Chocolate's pretty good. I'd be so sad if I wasn't allowed to eat chocolate anymore. Americans don't have chocolate. No, I know, it's so sad. They, they, they have chocolate flavor candy. Yes, and that they is do. a hoax. Yeah. They don't have good coffee either. No. Like for pe- I people who were obsessed with Starbucks. I got some Starbucks. coffee in New York. Mm-hmm. LA coffee, not great. 
I think New York seems like a more of a place that exi- knows that other places exist outside it. Yeah. Mm. What about these guys? These are some kind of marshmallow thing. They're marshmallow babies. Roros. I want one of those in my body. Okay, let's let's see how we go. Hope everyone's enjoying the new mukbang section. Mm-hmm. We're, uh, we've been talking about expanding out, and we've heard all the requests for Let's Plays, and we're happy to report that we're starting a mukbang. Yeah, we're going to do a new Patreon goal very soon. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay, if we, we get to $600 on Neve, Patreon, stop. Stop we'll it every year. We'll record a video of us just eating food. We'll do a mukbang. No. Oh, Let's just do it. We Let's all eat want a boss. Food. Let's do it. Yeah. What would, what would, oh, Brian, <laughs> we could order the chicken thing. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Brian found a real fucked up chicken place. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it's fucked. Okay. Why is it fucked? Okay. Um, I, I, I do think we should, like, have a proper discussion about a new Patreon tier and it's us eating food. Because, like, oh. I, I, I'd way prefer to eat food than do a Let's Play first. <laughs> okay, so. let's do a mukbang first. I'm saying, like, this is it. We're promising you right now $600 um, dollar mark on Patreon. Let's fight a boss mukbang. We'll we'll do it like once a month. We'll eat some food. No, no we're we'll doing do it one, once. Once. We're one. doing it one. <laughs> once, once forever. Right, we do it one. <laughs> we do one, and we can talk about it after that. Yeah, like what happens if we hate it? I like food. <laughs> oh, this was such a fucking mistake. There, because the logistics. I Thanks, ju- Nemo. We're gonna have to study mukbang. <laughs> These are delicious. Oh yeah, God, fucking mukbang culture is messed up, isn't it? Like some people, like because like, if we're gonna do a mukbang, we're gonna do it real fucking good. So we're gonna have to study other mukbangs. Okay, yeah. Oh, these are really weird. It's like a jelly baby that's powdered. Yeah. What? Mm. A powdered baby. Do you guys not like these? No, they're no, good. I, I, like I, these. I like these. It's it's just it's two different sweets combined into like a, a sweet yeah. I didn't think you could do. I'm down for this. It's well, so funny are, because it wait, looks these like... These are just little people. Yeah, it's yeah. a little person. It isn't even a baby. Oh my god, Brian, take a photo of that. Like, it looks like a person with their arms crossed across their chest because they're dead. Hey, man, I have to put the... No, go and focus, sweet. Not her. Sweet. Hmm. Is this still recording? Yeah. Faster, yeah. Brian, take the photo faster. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's kind of fucked. Anyway... And back to our podcast. Back to our podcast. Man, I... Oh, that's it. Hmm. Anyway, quick time events. We got, actually have a ton of news to get through. I guess the news has finally started up again after E3. And the first is that Hammond the Hamster joins Overwatch. Fuck yeah. This is the 28 Overwatch character? God, wow. Mm-hmm. They said originally that they were going to start cycle characters out when they get more. They haven't done that yet, but I don't... Really oh, I don't see think, how I don't they think could they will. Do that. No way. Yeah. They want to balance the game. And like the fucking like any character you pick in Overwatch and get them out. Like yeah. imagine if they got rid of Lucio. People would be pissed. Mm-hmm. If they got rid of Farah, I would be pissed. <laughs> anyway, Hammond <laughs> the hamster um, is the twenty-eight character. His his he's called the wrecking like wrecking ball is his character name, and Hammond drives it. And it's kind of like a diva situation where he's in a little mech. Um, but it has this cool movement thing where it's based on physics. So Hammond's ball can latch onto uh, things with a grappling ho- hook, and the momentum you create from your swing can move you around the map. And that's uh, a really cool movement really thing. Cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really impressed with that. Um, so that's Hammond. Sounds yeah. cool. Isn't available on in the main game yet. It's just on PTR. But yep. and no one's going to be able to make porn with them. No, um, sir. <laughs> not one bit. Oh. No. 
And that's the end of that. <laughs> oh, and... More Overwatch. We got Pink Mercy. Rolls out endorsement. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Overwatch rolls out endorsements. This feedback thing. This is good. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. This was to curb kind of toxic community gameplay and there's an endorsement thing that you can do after you play a match now so you can endorse three people at the end of any match but you can only endorse one person once per day and you'll get an endorsement for either sportsmanship shot caller or good team teammate the first time i played with this in it everyone was just like endorsing everyone like willy Benilli. whoa <laughs> that's not even a word but like you know what i mean just like just doing it because you could um, it's slowed down now and people are actually making decisions based on it, I think. How this will work is when you like, um, you have a little rating next to your name now, so it'll have a number of how many times you've been, you'll build up this number. You don't, I don't actually know how many times it takes you get from a one to a two, like how many endorsements you need. But if you're doing a, a game, you can choose what endorsements people have to play with you if you're making a custom game. But I think it's cool and hopefully will curb some some shitty behavior maybe. How much shitty behavior is there in Overwatch? There's a lot. Because I've encountered one major one. It depends if you play quick play or competitive. Okay, and how will this affect the heel slut community? Good teammate, maybe? <laughs> Endorsement? <laughs> <laughs> Good sportsmanship? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, I think it's a good move. Like, hope I I like to see anything that makes the internet less of a horrifying place. More Overwatch news: Pink Mercy makes record-breaking twelve point seven million. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? That's so much. That's amazing. Fair play. It's the largest single donation by any company to breast cancer awareness. Wow! <laughs> Just get a cool girl and put her in a cool costume mm -hmm. and DLC. That shit. That kind of works out and as maybe 735,000 people bought the Pink Mercy skin. Wow, it was a cool skin. Yeah, apart from the pigtails. Mm. Um, yeah. There was also another 130k med through t-shirt sales and Twitch streams. Oh, that's so, really like, cool. They did a really great job and they said their minimum donation at the time was going to be quarter of a million. So they surpassed that quite a lot. Yes, they did. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Shenmue 1 and 2 are coming August 21st will cost $30 that's a good deal man I just I'm so excited for you guys to experience Shenmue 1 and 2 I'm never going to play that I'm just for never us gonna. all to relive the magic together finally Brian what's the chance of you playing Shenmue fuck no that's about a 1% chance and you can hold on to that fucking number John <laughs> I guarantee I don't know how I guarantee that we're going to play Shenmue at some point. Okay. I'm sure we will, John, at your funeral. <laughs> oh, my God. We'll be like, that you would know, be beautiful, but then we'd get, like, bored, like, halfway through, or, like, just did, a half an hour and in. And we're like, this is what John would have wanted when he, if he was still alive. <laughs> and it's like an Irish wake, so you're on the couch with us. This is like... And we're, like, like you know, ribbing you and stuff, like, ha, ha, this is such a shit game, John. Ha, That's ha. what we do in Ireland. When someone dies, we have what you call a wake, where they get the body and you prop them up in, like, maybe the sitting room, kind or of like the main hub of the house. Yeah, their favourite yeah. chair, and you have them kind of in their best clothes, kind of there, dead. For, no, like they are embalmed, it's not, Yeah, and like, there's a bit where, like, you put the kids in the room with them, and you have to let the kids figure out that they're dead, and it's kind of a party game. 
it's the best way to understand death at yeah, a young age, yeah. I, I feel. I, really. I, I, I've been to a few wakes, and it's like an older relative. The ones I've been, they're on like the kitchen table all laid out mm-hmm. with the rosary beads. And it's just like, and and my granddad will be there and he'll be like, sit down here now, we'll have a look at my, my brother who died. <laughs> and we'll just take him in. Remember, no. I, I was at like awake once and I didn't know the person who it was. But I was like, I wonder what their hands feel like. <laughs> and then I reached out and I touched the dead body's hands. <laughs> and my mom was like, John! <laughs> oh, you like that one, Brian? I just want to touch your dead hands. I did, I touched some dead hands. They're cold. That's badass. Yeah. I'm, pr- I'm pretty cool. Right, guys? Yeah, okay. <laughs> we can move on from this. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Shenmue 1 and 2, everyone. Yeah, Shenmue 1 and 2. I'm excited. $30. I mean, I would have paid 60 but that's good. It's being uh, remastered by a British um, company who did Burnout Paradise. That's a good remaster? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There you go, John. Maybe they'll make the game good. It's all coming up, John. It is good. It's a classic. It's it's misunderstood. Um, Jim Carrey to play Dr. Robotnik in Sonic movie. Perfect. Yeah. That I guy, feel weird about Jim Carrey. Yeah. But yeah. That's, so I feel weird about Dr. Robotnik. He has a TV show coming out. Yeah, he does. Apparently it's meant to be fucked up. Oh. He's, he's just... He's saying stuff now, and he... I, I don't know if he's getting help or if he's refusing the help or if if it's just a joke or what. I don't know. How do you get help for something that you see as your creative method? Like, there's this real fine line between kind of a mental illness at play and him being his creative self or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're just like, mm, how much of it's just bad and how much of it's just you kind of thing. Mm. Like, that documentary was really enlightening. The one about him. Yeah, uh, that was yeah. that was kind of heavy. That yeah, thing. I think I was expecting a light, more lighthearted documentary. Mm-hmm. Now I keep thinking about the films he's on. It's like, what is that set going to be like for everyone else? Is he going to like method act <laughs> Doctor Robotnik? <laughs> oh, we can only hope. Um, it'll probably be like because he's done Horton Hears a Who, mm-hmm. and like he played the Grinch years ago, also directed by Ron Howard. Uh, so it'll just be him in kids' movie mode. Apparently, he's a complete professional in that aspect. Good, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You kind of want to be. <laughs> Nero Thomas' novels. They are finally getting translated by Viz Media. This was announced at Anime Expo, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, John, why, why weren't you celebrating? Okay, look, I wasn't actually at Anime Expo. <laughs> <laughs> like you were at E3. Come, come <laughs> Just the master of <laughs> manipulation. I yep. was at E3. But Brian actually was at E3. Uh, Near Automata long story short and Near Automata short story long are going to be released on. Those are the most fucking Yoko Taro. Yeah, I know. (laughs) On October 9th, 2018. And they're putting in brackets as well. Uh, Long story short. uh, Uh, Which of which of those name which those letters is capitalized? (laughs) It's actually just written normally, but this was like from an article and not from like the front of the. uh, Well, they should have paid closer attention. I know. I'm I'm guessing it's long story bracket S capital H O R T. Close bracket. Brian? Oh yeah, like, it, it'll have a wiki article and it'll mm-hmm. have it in, like, normal text but then it'll be, like, you know, like labelled as blah 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 yep. So Long Story Short is a novelization of the near story with some more insight about the stuff that happens and Short Story Long is a collection of novellas so it's gonna be really cool to read It's all about the Yorha gang mm-hmm. Yeah. Keeping mm-hmm. it real. Keeping it real with Yorha That sounds good 
keeping it real with your man. Speaking of not keeping it real, have you guys seen this whole area net controversy? A tiny bit. I think it's arena net. Arena net. I think yeah. I think they make right. Guild Wars, which I used to play a lot of. Yeah. Oh, this is fucking weird. I so this all started when there was a writer working for ArenaNet and she made this big long Twitter thread. Do we have a name? I do. Wait a second. Um, continue speaking. She made this like a big long Twitter thread about like the complications of writing characters for an MMO and the kind of crux of her point was that she um it's very difficult to write like compelling characters for MMOs because everyone has a different idea of what these characters are. Especially, mm. I think she was referring particularly to protagonists. Yeah, your player character. And Her name is Jessica Price. And it was interesting. It was kind of like an interesting technical breakdown of a problem for writing for MMOs. Like maybe something you wouldn't really think of if you didn't have a lot of experience writing for MMOs. And then this YouTuber, Guild Wars 2 streamer guy, I can't remember his name, he kind of made a response to her, which was like, I have seen this kind of response a lot online where it's like, I have never worked in this area, but here is my bargain basement, like, solution to this problem. And it's like, he was respectful and he was like, mm. whatever, like, it wasn't, it, like, to be honest with you, the whole interaction, then she got annoyed and she called him an asshat or whatever, but like, it just seemed like kind of a nothing interaction yeah. on Twitter. Like, I don't really have anything to say about the interaction itself. It's just yeah. like, whatever, shit like this happens on Twitter. Twelve hours later, she's let go from ArenaNet. Her and another guy. A guy Two who defended guys. her yeah. as well. Um, Yeesh. Yep. ArenaNet saw it as this, like, attack on their community. And it's fucked up and really bad. Like, I I think ArenaNet are a bunch of spineless cowards. Like, mm -hmm. how little of an identity does that game have to have where, like, something like this just means you're gone. Yeah, literally a nothing. Like, just such a normal kind of annoying comment on Twitter can lose you your livelihood and a career that you've been building kind of thing. Yeah. And it's just kind of, it gives a lot of power to people who will target others in the industry. Women. Um, and just kind of feel like they're their purchasing power as a consumer and as a fan is as important to the company as an employee who's working there and crafting what that story and identity is for them. And it's just like, it's so gross that they would side with a fan over something like this and just fire someone. And the weird thing is though, they're not even siding with the streamer. Like from what I read afterwards, he was kind of like, okay, this is like he, he didn't he didn't seem apologetic but but he didn't seem like celebratory of it either it's the people who got angry on his yeah. behalf yeah, that he, they're siding with his tweet was kind of like oh okay didn't really expect this response sorry and kind of bowed out but yeah, yeah it was kind of a mob that was created from from his fans or his not even his fans like he's he's really small then who this, was it this just was angry guild wars 2 subreddit people Ugh. yep just a group of haters. This is why the games, game devs and animators uh, need to unionize. So this cannot happen. This kind of stuff shouldn't be able to happen and there should be a safety net there. Here was, yeah. here was, a, uh, here was a part of a longer post from the Guild Wars 2 subreddit that someone submitted after this has happened. 
Nobody at Air, nobody at ArenaNet is safe from the hand of Reddit. We li we're literally running the company now. They're in fear of the very users they seek to consort with. The moment a dev steps out of line or tries to talk back to a player, guess what? They'll know we got their hands on their throat and we can squeeze any time we like. Imagine the limp-dicked asshole who needs to write something like that. Like, imagine how little must be going on in someone's life that they actually write that into a public place and submit it and thinks it sounds cool. And this like, is a company memo or something? No, this is a, this is a user on the Guild Wars 2 subreddit. Yeah, okay. who's delighting in the fact that they could get someone fired. We have power here now kind of thing. Yeah. And like... Why? Who? Who cares? Like, this is a person who was involved in making something you love enough to try and get someone fired from? Like, yeah, I just don't understand the logic at all. And the responses from ArenaNet have been, like, nothing short of just chicken shit fucking cowards. Yeah. Like, oh my god, they've been, like, they've just been so, like, you know, we expect a certain standard, and it's like, it was a stupid twit. Like, she called, okay, she called him an ass hat. You don't fire someone for calling someone an ass hat. It was also her personal Twitter. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, I could see being like, listen, we gotta try and play nicer with the community. I could yeah. see, like, a little talk by the water cooler, but firing someone? Like, mm -hmm. what the hell? And it's really emboldened people. Like, one of the, uh, um, a woman who works in gaming on Twitter uh, posted up a a message that her workplace got that was kind of similar vein of like hey do you know employee x and x i think her conduct is x and x you should probably consider if you want to work with someone her basically trying to get people fired and it's really emboldened that type of person who really wants to do that yeah and like it, there's always this like old zero punctuation tweet i like where it's just like fans are clingy annoying dipshits who will never be happy with anything you do and like it's really extreme but it's like i think you have to recognize when you're a fan of something you don't necessarily know how to make it like just because you love something doesn't mean you have the ability to or understanding to know how that thing came together and it really frustrates me when people cross over into that like even in videos where i'm critical i never try and be like this is how they should have done it because i don't fucking know like that's not the same thing and it really frustrates me when like I guess I see keyboard warriors thinking they know what's the best for like a game or a TV show or something like that when the actual practicality of getting that done is such an alien thing that they could not understand it's like I don't even mind people theorizing about ways to improve things it's like you can do that in over like friendly conversation on Twitter like yeah. you know you can like have fun theorizing like you can have a conversation about it it shouldn't be invitation to try and like attack someone yeah. kind of thing yeah but yeah it's a it's a bad situation that's 100% an unfair dismissal and mm -hmm. I hope it works out for her in the future maybe she'll sue them yeah mm -hmm. perhaps she might have grounds first but yeah a real shame but say we go on to some emails Okay, I got some emails here. Hit us. Okay, one of them was marked, but I don't see the question, but maybe I'm just, I can't read or something. Who's it from? Uh, well, I, I, I've, got, I've got a different one here first. Okay. Uh, all right, this is from Jeremy. 
Uh, hey guys, Jeremy here, and I've been having some troubles lately. I play a lot of fighting games, but have a lot of trouble hitting all the correct buttons on the controller I pick up. I bought an arcade stick. Brian, what's happening? And I love playing with it. I'm doing my email. Okay. We each get an email, we get to do okay. whatever we want with it. Okay. Okay, fine. Jeremy, that's what you sound like. <laughs> <laughs> so my question for you guys is, what's your preferred controller and setup? Do you guys find that a controller scheme that holds you back from enjoying certain types of games? Oh, totally. I think especially trying to play Pocket Fighter with the nunchuck was like, nope, this ain't happening. Um, I like to play fighting games with a stick. I don't have a stick for my PS4, but I'm probably going to get one soon. I have mine. You can borrow it if you want. But, um, yeah, I like sticks. John loves his sticks. I love sticks. I really like the Xbox 360 controller. I still think that holds up as one of the better controllers ever made. It's a very good controller. Especially for shooters. I think those, mm. those analogs are great. They were nice. Um, I like the PS4 one a lot. I really love share buttons. Built-in share buttons are so good. The Xbox One doesn't have one. You have to double tap the center button, which I hated. Um, you can single tap the share button on the PS4 controller and the Switch controller and I just love that I can take a screenshot like that. It's really great. I don't have to think about it or go into any other menu. I like the new little options button and I love the touchpad and I hope they don't don't get rid of it for whatever PS5 is. Because like it's not utilised as a touchpad at all. No, I really like that it's got a, a left and a right to it button. as well. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah, as a big button just to hit. Like I love when maps are like put to it. Or with God of War you could map the um the camera mode to the the left hand side of it. So it was just really easy to go in and out of gameplay just by pressing that with your thumb. So I think the PS4 controller is like a really nice one, which is cool because the PS3 controller was so light and bad and it, crap. It felt, it felt like a VTech kind of like oh. like kids education toy. It didn't feel like a like a weighted controller. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I really like the GameCube controller just because of how organic it feels. It's very roundy, so it just fits very comfortably in your hands. But then it's asymmetrical, where it has certain... Like, it's got more buttons on one side than it does on the other. Which is kind of interesting, because a, a lot of controllers out now are very symmetrical. Mm. Uh, but this has, like, an extra Z trigger, but it only has one. Uh, I always kind of found that kind of very kind of off about it, but kind of... Like, I don't know. I, I really Charming. Like, yeah, it's very charming, and it's, mm-hmm. like, purple. Um, bad recent experience I had was that I like the gyro controls in the Wii U gamepad and in the Switch, but they don't work if you play a game lying down in bed, which is which is a way you play games on the Switch totally. sometimes. But uh, for example, if I was playing Splatoon, I can't play Splatoon lying down. I have to play it sitting up because the gyro controls don't work when you're lying down holding it up. It mm-hmm. only works when you're sitting uh, at, mm-hmm. at, at holding it at a 90 degree angle. Which can is... you turn off the gyro? Like, oh yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. but like, I, I actually play with the gyro controls. Uh, playing Splatoon without the gyro actually kind of sucks. Okay, yeah, it, it, it's real good just for like, you'll you'll point with the stick, but then you'll center it with the gyro. Yeah, yeah. Do you think someone playing Splatoon with um, a pro controller has an advantage or a disadvantage? Um, I maybe think a disadvantage, but I'm not sure because I I I, 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 I know. I aim it with the stick, but then I'll like get that subtle extra couple of degrees with the gyro. Yeah, Pro Controller I think has a built-in gyro as well. So I, oh I, well, I, in that case, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, 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 no, like that. That game is very open to different play styles. And, yeah. Uh, no, I, I it, it, it's fine. Yeah. Have you guys ever held a NES controller? Well, you, you, you've got the NES yeah. Classic. 
that's 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 really sore to hold. That's, that's a, horrible. That's a bad controller. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I'm playing the SNES Mini at work, and that's perfectly fine to yeah, hold. Yeah, it's round. Mm-hmm. It's very small, but it, at least it's round and it's sculpted to your hand again. Hmm. Uh, the N64 controller fucking sucks. I like it. And I like it too, but a fucking. Well, yeah, you like it because of its nostalgia, but to play with it. I'm yeah, I don't like, want to play anything new on it. Yeah. Like, I appreciated they were going for something different and that it opened up a lot of very nonsensical options, but yeah. Sometimes I'll play Dreamcast with John and he hands me a Dreamcast controller and uh, I'm like, cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, what? What's this? What the fuck is this? Is this a plate? I don't know. I think it takes a, takes a very particular person to appreciate the art of the Dreamcast yeah, controller. Real Sega fan, not like me. Same person who likes the original Xbox Monster controller. Oh, oh no, that thing's a, that thing's ridiculous. The Duke is that what it's called? Yeah. I know people with big hands who love the Duke, but the Duke was just insane. Do you remember how like the Xbox came out and then like within three months they released the smaller controller because they were just like. This is this is ridiculous. I remember holding it for the first time and like I couldn't play the game with it. <laughs> it just just cuz and like it was the worst part was that they they had black and white buttons but they were like below the they were below the X, Y, A, B buttons. So you'd have to like contort your thumb and go under them and it was so unnatural. I really like funny controllers like I think with Fantasy Star Online on the GameCube uh, they released a version of the GameCube controller that had a keyboard in the middle. So it was like, okay, like the width of a keyboard with the left and right of a, G- of a GameCube controller, like plastic Gosh. molded to it. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm sure you could play Melee with that. I'm sure. <laughs> Man. Um, I got one here from Alec. And this is a little long, but hell, we'll read it. Um, it's called Wish I Found You Sooner. John, are you going to do a voice? Yeah, I'm going to do a really fun voice. Dear Neve, John, and Brian. Ah. I can't. I'm, I'm tired. No, you're not. I'm so tired. My name is Alec. I'm 23 years old and live in Philadelphia. I've only been a listener for a few months now, but I must have listened to all of the iTunes available podcasts for at least 7x. Wow. It's a, it's a dedicated fan. My job requires that I spend a lot of time in the lab, and I also have a long commute, so I have lots of time to listen to the fabulous... Elfab. Elfabbers, yeah, yeah that's, that's good, what you guys are. Uh, Elfabcast. Sometimes I'll even have the podcast playing on a sleep timer as I go to bed. The Elfab crew has been a huge comfort in my life, and you're all more than just a friend simulator to me. Aw. That's really sweet. That is very sweet. Sweet. I graduated from college last year and have been working and living as an adult for almost a year now. I wish I had discovered the beer podcast earlier as some of the life advice sections could have come in handy with all the problems I faced in the last year, particularly that I shouldn't declare my strong feelings for a girl that I like and he has crossed out love if she's not quite on the same page. Luckily, I also know from you guys that I still have time to recover from my fuck-ups such as that. Then he has little messages for each of us. Neve. Yay. Sorry I, t- <laughs> Sorry I don't have a particular question oh. that, <laughs> that hasn't been answered by the podcast. I just want to let you know that my absolute favourite LFAB moment is in episode 72 when you talk about how you were watching Romeo and Juliet at a sleepover and you realised, oh no, I'm gay. That was That's probably one of my favourite moments too. That's a very good story. It's a good coming out story. When I'm feeling down, I'll often listen to that little bit and repeat just because I love your tone and the laughs from John and Brian get me laughing as well I died in my car when I heard for the first time I hope one day my red Shikoku Joji 
can meet da- oh that must be a dog can meet Dash and Piper oh oh that's cute and to one day commission you to draw him you are the coolest Brian yes since you are a Kirby fan I am desperate to know um, if you've ever played Kirby Air Raid and if you Kirby if, Air Ride Kir- sorry Kirby Air Ride and if so do you have any fond memories of it my brother and I played it a ton as kids and we would always try to use the electric charged blast to shoot Dyna Blade out of the sky but never could also what's your favourite Kirby power your ASMR impression of Idris Elba Argas I don't remember doing that <laughs> me neither it, me neither but it sounds exactly oh, be- like I something you that would it happened. Yeah. I hope it wasn't racist <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> I like Idris Elba. I, d- I don't know if I should make. F- I, like, I, ho- I hope I was respectful to the Idris Elba estate. Did I, I don't think anyone would be disrespectful. Did I ever talk to you guys about the Headspace app? Okay, Brian, you you, you answer your question. And I'll, I'll. Okay. Yeah, because his voice is on. All right. Um, I have played Kirby's Air Ride. I don't. I never owned this game. I played it at friends. Do you guys know about this game? No. I know it scored very poorly. Yeah, it's a Kirby racing game personally made by Masahiro Sakurai. Uh, it, it was the game he made after Smash Brothers Melee, and it, it's it got the same menu layout as the Smash Brothers game, and you're like, oh boy, here we go. Um, it's a weird racing game in that there's no accelerate. You just like start going, and you're steering Kirby on a star or any other respective character on their disc-based vehicle. And you have the option of playing it like a racing game, or you can zoom out into third person and play it from top down below like a board game. And um, it's bad. It's just, it's, it's a game. It it feels like an experiment, and it has a hardcore community that absolutely love it. Really, I'm delighted for them. Um, um, <laughs> I, I'm not part of that community. Uh, I love the soundtrack to that game. That's my favorite part of it what's your favorite kirby power-up yo-yo 100 percent. gim the partner you have when you have yo-yo ability is fucking brilliant it's got these big red shoes just like sonic but it's not sonic i, I just really like yo-yo because he break dances a little bit with the yo-yo i mean that's pretty cool yeah um yeah this is app called headspace and it's like a meditation app and all the graphic design on it's really beautiful and it's really nice and have these fun little animated characters and I was like, oh, this could be a cool meditation app. But then you listen to it, and the guy is like, alright, welcome to Headspace. We're going to do some fucking meditation, mate. He doesn't say fucking, but it kind of sounds like he does. I'm from Hackney. It's let, me. Let those, let those thoughts drift away. Let those thoughts drift away like little fluffy fucking clouds, mate. But Like it's our boy Idris. No, this no? Idris Elba is... Far more dignified than this man sounds. Neve, could you do could you do your best Idris Elba impression? I don't even know what he sounds like right now. It's it's kind of like Stringer Bell with a Hackney accent. Hello, love. Yeah, <laughs> is El- Mr. Elba. <laughs> but he's like it's real deep, and he's also like, well, I'm a DJ. Um, hello, love. Oh, what, what's the, what's Sky the Idris sports. Elba? Elba's wow, like, I should be the next Batman. Yeah. <laughs> okay, everyone, for the next two hours, I'm gonna tell you about house music. With Sky Digital, <laughs> you can watch all the fucking sport you want. I don't know. You I can, don't know. You can watch video footage of your cat <clears throat> taking a shit. Or okay. the next James Bond. He should be the next. He, yeah, James he'd be Bond. great. Um, Daniel Craig is gonna be it forever. Probably. Our sexy potato. <laughs> Uh, okay, he, just a little more. John Patchwolf. Oh, Jesus. And, uh, we all get our sections. Yeah, we do. Uh, 
Are there any anime scenes that you use to pump yourself up when you're trying to blow off steam with exercise? Lifting and rock climbing are a big part of my life, and sometimes I think of Go Guts's under unyielding determination during the eclipse. Jesus, that's a hmm. Or Vegeta's training in the gravity chamber, or even the Kogami shirtless training fight scene from Psychopaths to get me through. Don't tell anyone though; that's a secret. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, Vegeta goes Super Saiyan. That entire scene where he's out in space and he's blowing shit up—it's fucking great. Vegeta in the gravity chamber. Vegeta going Super Saiyan 2. Vegeta coming out of the hyperbolic time chamber. Vegeta sacrificing himself to take out Majin Buu. Vegeta shooting Cell with his final flash attack. Vegeta blowing up Android 19 with his Big Bang attack. Johnny Vegeta defeating the Ginyu Force. You also forgot about Vegeta learning to drive. That never happened. No? Brian Vegeta would not learn to drive. Goku and Piccolo would learn yeah. to drive. Vegeta. Piccolo's responsible. I never watched a Dragon Ball Z anime. I only read the manga. Shows what I know. Yep. Yep. Fake weeaboo right there. Yeah, mm -hmm. fucking fake-ass fan. You're probably all getting so many emails that this podcast grows in... Po you're all probably getting so many emails as this podcast grows in popularity. Yeah, we get quite a few emails. Yeah, I like emails. Um, and I'm not sure if this one will be read very closely. Well. <laughs> well, Alec. If that is your real name. Turns out, when a little boy wishes very hard... <laughs> um, Hopefully one, will whisper in his ear. <laughs> hopefully one of you does, but just writing this was very cathartic for me. Listening to you all has filled a lot of hours of my day-to-day -day life, and I hope you can find satisfaction and motivation in that. You're all fucking awesome. I appreciate that you called us awesome. Didn't know if we needed that swear in there. Ruined it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the next time you climb a mountain, I want you to put like a little like note under a the, rock. I, did he say he climbed a mountain? Yeah, he said he climbs mountains for fun. He says rock climbing. <laughs> That's the same. No, it's not. People go to rock climbing centers. Okay, well, when you're at the top of your rock climbing thing, just put a little post-it that says fuck you for the next person who gets there. That's pretty <laughs> good. That's the most naive thing. <laughs> That's the most sportsmanship thing you can do when rock climbing. Pay it you, forward. Pay it forward. Man, imagine climbing a mountain and getting to the top of this little post note that says fuck you. Yeah, I know, it's so good. You're stupid. <laughs> Way to go, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're an idiot. Why would you go up here? Uh, you have the power to do that. Who was that email from? Alec. Alec. Oh, Alec, yeah. Okay. We've said that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Alec. Uh, yeah, I really like those kind of emails. Um... The ones that tell us how great we are. are no, just, just, just like I like them. Oh no, just yeah. just weird questions, and then we're like, oh, we have to pick our brains, but also, did we say that? Yeah, I think that's funny. Okay, I have one from Rendale. Hey, gay, cute, and sad. <laughs> God damn it! My <laughs> my first playthrough of Zelda: Breath of the Wild was probably the one of best gaming experience I've ever had. The exploration in every new area discovered was genuinely magic. Moments such as being lost in snowy mountains and seeing one of the dragons fly overhead for the first time was an incredible experience. However, whenever tr I try and replay that game, the magic from discovering new things is gone. The flaws are more obvious and it sucks knowing it I'll never be able to experience the game for the first time ever again as that first time true was a genuine 10 out of 10 experience. If you could delete your memory of one game uh, experience, for the first time, what would so you could play it again for the first time? What would it be? That's a really good question, and I like. I think that's a really good example as well. Like with Zelda, I think so much of that game is reliant on you believing that they're going to deliver on that promise of wonder, and when you when you kind of break it down, it it's just not there. Mm -hmm. No, but yeah, those those first like 
10, 15 hours. Or just even your first yeah. experience with it, like, Rendell's, um, where it's like, it can keep you there, but then you go back to it and you're like... Mm. Yeah. Mm. Like, like, for me, there's games I played when I was younger. I don't know if I played them now. That's without, the thing. Like, yeah. I'm kind of thinking, like, maybe Final Fantasy VII, but maybe I wouldn't like it that much anymore. Yeah, like, okay, like, okay. So how about we are the age we are, and it's the year the game came out, and we get to experience it again from scratch. Oh, that's kind of okay. interesting. Why don't we do one of each? Because they're both really different, I think. Okay, yeah. Okay, if, like, right now, just any game I've recently played or anything, it's near Automata. And not because it's gotten worse, just because I want to experience that experience of playing a game like that for the first time. Because, like, that blew my mind, and I would love to have my mind blown by a video game mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. Um, what about the E? Doesn't matter. What? What are you doing? <laughs> what is this face? Is Why do you look sad? Undertale. 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 Jesus. Really? It taught millions of teenagers how to feel. It did, yeah. It taught them about critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Maybe they are the bad guy. <laughs> it's not what that game's about! <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what? Actually, you know, I really like Undertale because I think so much like media is red as black and white, and at least Undertale is like, hey, there's this whole thing called the gray area. That's not <laughs> yeah. what it's about at all! Oh my god, you guys are the fucking worst. We can interpret texts in our own way, John. That's and I think that's the beauty of the internet. I get you it. You can be wrong. Their base is a circle. I get it. <laughs> Brian. What do you fucking have, Brian? Uh, Metroid Prime 1 on the GameCube or Paper Mario Thousand Year Door on the GameCube. Both of those... Uh, and this this is like your your memory is not erased one. Hmm. My memory is not... A, well... No, this is your memory is erased and you get to play it for the first time. Oh, okay. well, in that case... Fuck. It's my turn. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, I guess the age I am now, if I was to replay a game and I've never played it before, but I have, it's probably Metroid Prime 1. Because mm -hmm. that's a super... Well... No, actually, Thousand Year Door. I think I think Thousand Year Door will have aged better than Metroid Prime. Yeah, I, I'd see that. Yeah, because uh, Metroid Prime One was amazing in two thousand three. I don't know how amazing it would be in twenty eighteen, fifteen years later, but yeah. Yeah. So, like, I have Metroid Prime One as my. I want to go back in time and see it through the eyes of of of, of that person, mm -hmm. and then I'd like to play Thousand Year Door for the first time ever now. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, Undertale yeah. is me now. FF7 is go back in time. Fuck yeah. I wish I could maybe play... You mm, see, I can do that, but have no memory of it. Maybe Resident Evil 4 if it came out today. Yeah, I mean, that's a really fun game. Yeah. But I don't know, with Resident Evil 4, I think like... I don't know how much you're losing, but like I think that's just really fun in yeah. which way. Yeah, I, I think you'd play it and you'd be like, "This really reminds me of like all these other games that yeah. it inspired." <laughs> yeah. Um, I it, it, like like to me, it has to be a game that like is its own thing and did its own thing and was amazing. I really like games being the year they come out in. You know what I mean? I like being able to track the progression of games through their year. I've been thinking more and more about that stuff. Mm. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And just how you see trends come and go, what you thought would take up, not taking up, and just like, 
it's really interesting to look at things like because sometimes it's like I think of game of the year and it's just like oh man we're just pitting the games that happen to be released within this 12 month window against each other and that's such a weird like way of picking things to stack against each other but then like just in terms of just like history and dating things and seeing how trends go with is the only way to really do it mm-hmm. so I don't it, it's hard for me to pick any game because it feels like you take it out of context or at least I'm out of context you know yeah it's of the time that's really true because sometimes you do go back to a game and it's not even just that you're a different person it's like well the gameplay mechanics and game design kept evolving past this and so this thing that might have been head and shoulders above everything else at the time now there's much better ways to do dialogue in video games there's much better way to do movement mechanics there's much better ways to do climbing mechanics and stuff like that and it's it can make stuff feel weirdly old mm-hmm. especially with hd ports like because they're looking you know, pretty good, but they still have a lot of the mechanics and the decisions mm. and the menus. Yeah, it just looks like stepping stones. You're like, these yeah. are this is so groundbreaking, but I it's been improved. Mm. And even like some stuff like I, I, I was saying it I think a bit last week, but just you know how the Resident Evil Two remake like that's fully 3D. This is not pre-rendered stuff, and I was kind of disappointed by that. About five minutes into Resident Evil Zero, I was like, mm, no, it should be 3D. Mm-hmm. See those like like those like frozen backgrounds are so good when for that type of horror where you can't have control of the camera but i think that would play so weird in a day and age where you have complete control like yeah. just to take that from you would not would not enhance the scares it would only enhance my frustration yeah yeah that's a really good question really good question okay i've got another one here okay uh okay this is from renzo and hey I'm going to go straight to the point since you probably have tons of these to go through. Nice. Uh, What are your thoughts on copying other people's art? Not for self-gain, of course. For example, lately I've been copying drawings I see online. However, even though I'm not doing it for personal gain, it doesn't feel right, almost as if I'm not really learning anything. Do you also feel this way? I'm guessing he's saying, like, he's doing this kind of either for practice or his own enjoyment. Uh, yeah, I guess it's from like a technical perspective. You're like, how did the artist do this drawing? And mm. like trying to recreate it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I don't no. think it is. I think it's a great way to learn yeah, drawing. 100%. Yeah. Especially if there's someone you're like and you're like, how do they do hands? Or how do they do eyes? Or how do they do their like, how do they structure a body? And mm. if you like take a drawing and even if you like trace it or you try and co- put a grid over it and try and copy it, First of all, you might just be drawing what you see, but the next time you draw that, you'll draw how it's constructed. Mm. You know what I mean? You'll try and follow the lines and understand the artist's thought process. You know, I think it's, I think an Oni can help you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you, like it's so hard to just draw something out of your head. You need to have some sort of reference. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, like you, you learn loads. Like I, I think as long as you're not posting it online and pretending like you did it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or uh, if you like... like it, it is, for personal use yeah. only. Um, I wouldn't feel bad about it. I find like that discussion pops up on Twitter so much. This whole like, is reference good or bad? That that's always been kind of like I don't understand where people are coming from. I don't understand that as well. Be hundred percent like, original all times. Don't use anything in but the. But there are there are people with like photographic memories who can just mm. do that shit and awesome. Yeah, cool. But most people do are not like that. And like when you look at reference, you're learning how something physically is, and that's mm-hmm. really cool. Like, I like that a lot. Yeah, and you don't have this endless store of conversation. Like, right now, if you picture in your head, like, a telephone, like, you're gonna, you have this, 
If you track it from the top to the bottom, you have this vague mental image of what it is. But as you try and fill in detail from top to end, you start to see it's actually kind of fuzzy and you're like, where would that button be? Where would this be? Maybe the first thing you imagine is a rotary phone because you're used to watching old cartoons. So I think there's sometimes a big problem in animation where people depict like technology, like TVs. They draw the rabbit ear TV. Yeah, mm -hmm. because TV. like, yeah, because that's what they, they're drawing from t from cartoons yeah, and drawing it, it, from it, other it's, media. It, it's, it's an example that's burned into our heads, yeah. but it's not the correct example. Exactly, but when you use reference, you see all this detail that you won't have seen before, you, you make things more accurate, you make a world more livable. It's like, it's just, it's a tool to draw the right thing. People do not have encyclopedic brains for yeah. all this information. I think every background artist or prop artist that I've ever known cannot draw a bicycle Never. Without opening yeah. up Google Images and first looking at a bicycle and being like, oh yeah, that's what they fucking look like. That's actually a really fun challenge if you have a bunch of friends who can draw around you, just be like, everyone, okay, let's try and draw a bicycle. It's, yeah, it, really it's so hard to draw a bicycle from the top of your head. Like, even if you try and picture one now, you're like, man, I don't know where that bar goes. Yeah. <laughs> You just end up like, because you know when you're a kid, and you, you know, it's always one of those school things that you have to draw yourself cycling in your copybook or whatever. And all the bicycles are like those fucking like high rider ones where the handlebars are up by your shoulders because <laughs> you don't know because you don't know where to start with a bicycle. Bikes are stupid. Bikes are stupid. There. Uh, that's all I got. Okay. Do, John, do you want to talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling or something? Yeah, some people were upset that you didn't get to do it last episode. Did they not? Were they? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Someone was like, oh, I really wanted to hear that kind John, of John, you're really, really, really tired, Garbage. so maybe don't talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, but if you have a burst of energy, maybe like... Uh, Kenny Omega won the title, everybody. He did it. He did I not talk about this on the podcast? You wanted no. to. But I talked to. about this in a video, Yeah. but that's different. Okay. Kenny Omega won the title. Him and Okada had their fourth match their fourth match in two years and it was really good and weird and cool because in their first match it was like Okada was the champion it was all good Okada pretty hand it was a really good match but Okada like beat Kenny and it was like it was to be expected and it happened their second match greatest wrestling match of all time in my book Okada is still way better than Kenny but the match goes to a 60-minute draw. They wrestle for 60 minutes, and they kick the fucking shit out of each other. Like, it's kind of horrifying. And the, it ends with both wrestlers on the ground, and, like, Okada just, like, crawling over to Kenny and trying to get to him just so he can pin him just before the time runs out, and it's amazing. Third match, Kenny just takes it. And it was kind of, like, out of nowhere, and it was kind of a fluke, and it was like, what the fuck? But this was that was in the, that was like part of the G one, and so it wasn't a title match. And this one was an actual title match. This was two out of three falls, and it was so cool because like right from the start, it's like holy shit, Kenny is finally better than Okada. Like he had finally surpassed him after all this time, and he had done it because of the power of love. Do you think he actually surpassed him, or was Okada just having a bad day? Well, wrestling's fake, Neve. So he was just having a bad day. No, a fake bad day. The script call for... Uh, I think if you're following those guys' storyline, basically Kenny has been rising and he, you know, he was originally in the Golden Lovers, he rolled to prominence with the Bullet Club, but he finally kind of like, he shed the Bullet Club and got back with Kota Ibushi and that was like 
the motivation he needed to become strong enough to really be Okada. That is a strong shonen narrative. It is a strong shonen narrative. And so he finally did that. And it was really cool. And I was really, really happy for Kenny. And it's cool to see that he's the face of New Japan now. Because, like, it's American wrestlers, the face of New Japan. Canadian. Canadian, excuse me. And that's interesting because New Japan have this push to, like, take over the world. They've gotten way more popular in the last two years. And with someone who's kind of like a native English speaker, it will allow them to do that so that when the next Japanese champion comes along and beats Omega, they're going to be, there's going to be much more of a spotlight on them. And so it's, it's really interesting. I thought the match itself was really, really good. Maybe my least favorite of their four matches, but it speaks to like the strength of those matches that I still think it's an excellent match. But um, it was more the long-term storyline that I think was rewarding in it. And I just watched uh, Omega's first title defense against Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare. And that was really, really interesting as well. Because the kind of Bullet Club sort of got back together. But then a section of the Bullet Club broke off and and formed the Firing Squad. Oh, shit. Yep. Not to be confused with the Bullet Club. No, now there's an evil Bullet Club even though the Bullet Club were already evil. Professional wrestling, everybody. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. And me and Brian are going to watch Ishii fight Matt Riddle. Yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, same weekend of Euroflame Con, so you, you know, you, you can't come. <laughs> okay, thanks. Sorry, we're going to be celebrating who you are, we're going to be celebrating who I am. And I'm going to be... Uh, hopefully we can get Chinese food or something. Yeah, we'll I just, something I, I'm really, really, I'm really thinking about this mukbang idea. Cool. I think it's a runner. I think so too. Oh my god. I think we've met a pact we can't get out of. Yeah, because we, we'd have to go back and edit this podcast. And I will not do that. <laughs> hey, we'll do one mukbang and we'll and we'll regret it, but that's fine. I. Do you have to eat until it's all gone or until you maybe, pass out or maybe until you Neve, vomit? Maybe we should have looked this up before we said we'd do Is a there muk- rules to mukbang? Maybe we could do a speed challenge mukbang. No, oh no, no, I'm not eating no, food fast. No, let's drink a gallon of milk. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> fuck that. No, that's you, getting into some DeviantArt shit. Yeah. She was real into like this. She, she was like this the other day to me as well. She was like, "We really need to do a gallon of milk challenge." Like, it just, it's just. Just want to drink that calcium. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I could beat you both <laughs> drinking I, a gallon of you, milk. You can beat. Yeah, us. you probably you could. If you want, I don't mind. Yeah, that's fine. You win, Eve. <laughs> If that makes you feel good about yourself, that's fine. <laughs> and I hope everybody knows it. <laughs> okay. Milk girl. Yeah, milk girl. Don't call me that. Oh, God. Jesus. What an awful, awful episode. Did we, like, like say all the Twitter handles? No. Okay, so our email is... We did. Uh, yeah, ask that's by the boss at gmail.com. If you send us an email, it would have sounded like one of those emails. Yeah, huh. Uh, we love getting emails. We sure do. Mm-hmm. Like nice emails, only. yeah. Like like cool emails, not not shit emails. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're at Let's Fight a Boss and all of that shit. At Let's Fight a Boss on Instagram, on Twitter, Facebook, on Evo, Mastodon, uh, uh, Friendster, uh, Vivo, Beam. Yeah, uh, Vimeo, YouTube, whatever you want to call oh, them. Oh, what was that other one that like came and went so fast there? Yeah, Start with a V. Vivo. Well, Vivo. Yeah, yeah, Vivo. Yeah, that's yeah, Let's Fight a Boss on Vivo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Vivo just harvested everyone's data and disappeared into the night. Yeah. Genius. Um, we also have a Patreon. 
patreon.com forward slash L-F-A-B. Help us get to 600. I hope we never make it to 600. 600 bucks a month, we'll eat something for you. We'll eat a piece of food. Are we are we actually gonna like make that like an official stretch? I think we've spoke about it like for like at least a quarter of this episode. So yes, yeah. we do. <laughs> I I, I, I kind of want to put something else up there just just to keep the ball rolling. I think that's funny. How about we get to the mukbang first and then we worry about whatever horrors are going to come after that? I I feel like this is we're going down a bad road. Yeah, we are, but we're we're uh, going down together. No, I don't want to go down. <laughs> Hold my hand, John. It's no, it's going to be, be no. wet in here. Loot drop. Okay, so I got two loot drops. Um, the first is a podcast called Something to Wrestle. And if you are not into wrestling, and if you do not care about wrestling, this podcast is 100% not for you. Our podcast or this podcast? Both. But especially this podcast. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. So what what it the way they do it is like these are like four and a half hour podcast episodes. And they will take a wrestler, and it's 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 often not like the biggest wrestler in the world. Like it'll be like the big boss man. And it'll just chart his entire career through the WWE. But the interesting part is that one of the guys, it has two hosts, one of the guys actually used to be a producer for WWE and was around when all the decisions were getting made for these wrestlers. And so it's like, why did the big boss man make the guy eat his own dog? And he'll explain why. Why did he make someone eat his own dog? Because Al Snow's a fucking punk. Great. Jesus. Yep. That Mr. Ruby survives. Uh, it's a really interesting podcast. And then I also just want to loot drop some um, name of pan art. Because we're all, we're all we're all big fans of Name of Pan and pretty pumped to know that she's she's a fan. She's probably very embarrassed right now, and that's a huge achievement. I'm sorry, Name of Pan. Did any of you guys listen to the most recent case file? The Irish one, the skydiving one. No, uh, my girlfriend did. So fucked it's very good. up. It's Is so it? fucked up. Oh wow. Okay. The one before that was the Irish one. That was really sad. That was really sad. Yeah, yeah. really sad. I, I I listened to the one before that where the guy gets a hitman. Off for the his, deep web. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, his wife. Yeah, that's very good. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Man, people are wild. People are wild. Yeah, case files are very good. Neve, what do you got? I am dropping an article. Who knew? Maybe read. <laughs> a block of text? <laughs> a block of text. Can we not wait for someone to transcribe it into video or podcast form? Okay, how about case <laughs> file could. and this block of text? How, how about you get both of those? Yeah, so case file again. We always drop case file. <laughs> yeah. This block of text is Rolling Stone's um, interview slash piece on Johnny Depp. Oh, God, yeah. It is amazing. So Johnny Depp is going through a bad financial time right now, and he is suing his own sister. Um, he wanted to, for optics, to have an article written about him and how hard his shitty life is. So they invited a Rolling Stone interviewer into his house. And it did not go down well. And the Rolling Stone interview basically told it exactly how it went down. No sugarcoating it. And it just paints this picture of someone who's completely off the rails. He has a two million a month spending habit. He's 100% detached from reality. He completely is. Like, he's, like, seemingly cash poor. It's all tied up in property. They're like, Johnny, you need to sell this thing. And he's like, no. 
he just won't do it. He gives an explanation for his um, the ear pierce, uh, piece uh, being fed lines when he was on the most recent um, pirates. pirates. Caribbean pirates. Yeah, Caribbean pirates. That's the one. And he was like, it was because it would make allow him to make more eye eye connection and just be more in the moment as the lines were fed to him. Which you would kind of think maybe knowing things off by heart instead of them being fed into your brain and ear in that moment would probably aid that a bit more. But hey, what's all of other acting? <laughs> I was like turning it to Marlon Brando. <laughs> um, so it's just, it's really interesting. It's one of those ones where you have a morning or an evening and you have a cup of coffee and you read it and you're like, man, what's wrong with Johnny Depp? This guy sucks. Yeah, this sucks. But um, really good article. Really happy I read it. Um, did you watch any of the Summer Games done quick? Yes. I watched the Tomb Raider one. That was really oh, good. Oh, I haven't watched that one. I've, I've watched a couple of them now uh, while at work. Uh, but w- one of my favorites is the Banjo-Tooie one. Just because it's one of my favorite games and it's a long-ass game. And I've always wondered, how do you speedrun Banjo-Tooie? And they, it's done in a very, very interesting uh, way. So I would recommend this if you're a fan of the game and you just want to see the game broken open. Uh, that's my loot drop. That sounds good. I think that's going to do it for this episode of Let's Fight a Boss Cast. Thanks again to all our beautiful patrons. Yeah, thank you so much. You guys you guys make us feel good about ourselves. And hey, to everyone else who just donates your time, you're awesome as well. Yeah, you were listening to this part of the podcast. You are. You've, you've suffered through what has been honestly a horrific podcast. This is one of the worst episodes we've ever yeah, done. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I really hope anyone who does climb a mountain puts a note up there. Whoa. John, (laughs) tripping over your alcohol. Tripping over my alcohol bottles outside this building right now. Neil, do you want? Do you want? Do you want to try that again? Oh yeah. What was I saying? Oh, I hope that anyone listening to this, when they decide to climb a mountain, will leave a note. Maybe like, "Fuck you." Listen to Let's Fight a Boss. It'd be cool. You know, I'd really appreciate if someone would take a photo of that note for us. Yeah. <laughs> Send it into the podcast. We'll use it as a thumbnail. <laughs> uh, we invented some new words this episode. Uh, Geyer and Willy Vanilli. <laughs> <laughs> Willy Vanilli? That was definitely not one. Or, 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 no, Willy I, I, Vanilli I, fell I, into I, the Geyer. I, I, I think it was Willy Vanilli or else Willy Vanilli. Which is <laughs> Probably Willy Vanilli. <laughs> Willy Vanilli and Geyer. Ah, Geyer. Whirl or gyrate a spiral vortex. See, it's real. <laughs> okay, let's someone Google Willy Benilli. <laughs> I'm not typing that into my phone. I'll type it in. Willy Benilli. Oh, because because it's gonna be like some dessert or something. There, there's a band singer, '80s musician called Milly Benilli, isn't there? Probably. Or is there? Uh, no, I think it's from Super Mario Brothers Super Show. <laughs> a Willy Benilli would be a banana biscotti kind of dessert, I think. Is it messy? <laughs> yeah, there's lots of There's Willy Vanilli, which is a, a an alpine beer. Yeah, no, but we want Willy Vanilli. There was nothing. Okay, that's the it's name of this podcast. Willy Vanilli. Episode 79, Willy Vanilli. Or we will mukbang. <laughs> mukbang. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.